No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Welcome to Motel Hell, the only podcast with, uh, uh... Three straight razors, two boys and a girl. I mean, I there could be another one. I don't think so. I okay. doubt it. Three I think we've razors, got the monopoly on that. A boy, two boys, and a girl. We could have three boys, or three girls, Hey, with these razors. We're all men, oh. lady. Right. Yeah. Each one of us has a straight razor in honor of our episode tonight. Frank convinced me we're going to have mutilator genitals. <laughs> I'm, I'm still figuring out the grip. Shing, shing, shing is the noise that it makes when it's going through the air. So this is the first episode where we have like a maiming accident? <laughs> no. Uh, I think this is going to be a really good palate cleanser from last week. Because um, last week was dark. Yeah. And tonight will be fun and full of straight razors and blood. And sexiness. And we're going to cut each other when it's over. Yeah. Genital mutilation. I did more research about my topic from last week after the fact. Why would you do that? I don't know. But it was... The, the thing that, like, was so disturbing to me was the way that the people who reported on the trial talked about how the two women survivors acted and how they were just completely devoid of emotion like fear anger guilt anything mm-hmm. they're just like said exactly what happened they testified like the same thing both in their original police interviews and then in the court case and it's just this is really messed up well, I'm glad we're still talking about it on our Palette Cleanser <laughs> episode. All right, all right let's, let's, let's restart. Puppies. Shing, 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 shing. That's the sound of us cutting up puppies. <laughs> so we can make slightly smaller pieces of adorableness. Yeah. yeah. I want to yeah. take it home with me in my pocket. Um, I'm, puppies. I'm Alexa. <laughs> um, who are you? I'm a uh, cap and stabbing. Mm. Still going with that? Yep. Still going to make that work? Stab, stab. Well, it works tonight. Yar. No, that's not a stra- stabbing weapon. That's a Yar, this slicing, slicing, slicing that's, weapon. That's a slash. I went from pirate to southern real quick in that. I think it's, it's it's great that each one of us can have a straight razor and there's more left over. Oh, yeah. that's how many are in We could each department. have at least one more, right? Uh, no, I have one, two, three, four. I, have, I think I have five straight razors. That's so the normal amount. So we get two and she gets one because that seems <clears> the safest. Ask any American citizen, they all have five straight races. Yeah, no, Second Amendment. Not prior <laughs> to my cold dead hands. That's right. <laughs> the Democrats want to come in and take our straight razors. Yeah, so I have a, I have a, a shrine. There was a, a show I saw called uh, Sleep No More in New York, which was a interpretive 
dance abstract art take on Macbeth, which I know sounds lame. It was sounds super lame. It wasn't. It was like four floors of an inside of an old hotel converted into like a nightmare tapestry of forests and old timey rooms and um, hospital, all sorts of maddening. It, it was basically like. Everything scary you could think of, and each room was, it's, it was... Some of the rooms were massive, were designed in this way. So there was an entire hedge maze of dead branches that was, like, the size of six living rooms. That's pretty dope. Yeah, inside, and then no one spoke, and everyone wore Venetian-style, uh, eyes-wide-closed sex masks. Yeah, including the audience, and you Wait, eyes-wide-closed? Eyes-wide-shut. Eyes-wide-closed. That was pretty close. It's a paraphrasing. <laughs> so it's just like the coolest and the trendiest. Again, it's one of those situations that I just imagine my mom in and like her reaction to it. And the more you talk about your mom in this situation, it's funny. It's just it's so like, funny. Your mom's a total fucking hipster. No, she's not. No, I'm saying it would just be. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it would just be funny. It sounds cool. Sounds sounds hilarious. Yeah, it was cool. It was great, and I guess uh, you guys will never know. But anyways, I have a mask left over, and it's on top of an upside-down cross that I made with a crucifix on top of that, which was then lit on fire and wrapped in a rosary, which was then burned again. And that's mounted on the wall with the mask on top with blood on the mask, and then straight razors on the other side. Sort of like a, what do they call it? The Holy Trinity. Art. It's art. Yeah, I mean, some say it's art, some say it's religion. I think it's like icons, but... Uh, I think it's creepy. Yeah, well, that is the idea, and yeah, that's just one of the many delightful wall fixtures I have, and, uh, you know, when you party, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so... <laughs> I don't even think we said what the episode's going to be about yet. We just talked about straight razors. Yeah. That should be a pretty big hint. Can anybody guess? Anybody at home? They're not going to answer. It's interactive. Text two, two, four, two. <laughs> Yes or no. <laughs> If you get if you get the right answer, it's a one-time charge of nine ninety nine. <laughs> we didn't even introduce Dick Fetty. You get a picture of Dick Fetty's mutilated genitals, which we're gonna do at the end of this podcast. Oh. The funny thing is that they're already mutilated, so we're gonna take a before and after, and you have to guess which one is gonna be after. Giallo. 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 Do we have a? A translation? That's my understanding of how it's pronounced from our Italian uh, French. Translation style. is just yellow. Yeah. Is that really? Yes. Yeah. We'll really? get into that. Okay. Okay. Well, let me just preface it by saying that Dick Fatty and Captain Stabin, I guess, we're still going to go with that. Yep. Know way, way, way more about Jallo than. I will ever know. So we're going to let them go first. See, you say that now, but if you watch enough of it, you'll be just like us. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Hang out with us I feel like you guys are molding me. You're gonna... This creature I've never wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's working, because as soon as we had straight rooms, he's like, I want one. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But for, uh, each of us watched um, a Giallo we'd never seen before, um, which was kind of tough for you guys, right? Uh, nah, there's a lot, but there's a lot. Um, I watched one I had never seen before. We both we were gonna bring our recaps, our impressions to you, um, and I think we should start with the movie we watched tonight. That is technically our opening movie review. Would, would you say it's a giallo? 
So it's um, it's sort of a, it's an art film more than it is Jalo, but it's also. <laughs> yeah. I've been practicing. Yeah. Okay, I can tell. So, uh, but no, it's uh, so. Let me back up. It's easier to say giallo rather than giallo because I'm not Italian. So, for those out there, those Italian fans or fans of the genre, you know, excuse our mispronunciation of Italian names of of the genre itself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, it's a modern film. It's from 2009, and it's um, by a. Belgian couple, Helene Catet and Bruno Frizzani. And essentially it's like an homage to Giallo, but it's not really, not really until the last third of it. Mm -hmm. The first third's more like spooky supernatural, kind of a little bit of Suspiria influenced. I'd say overall it's very uh, Argento influenced in terms of like the use of really garish colors in sequence and trippy visuals in a dreamlike atmosphere. Yeah. But it's not... It's not your standard whodunit detective story, mm -hmm. and the murder and sexing only happen at the end. And that being said, before we go any further, spoiler alert, everything we talk about tonight, we're going to talk about the endings, we're going to talk about the details, so if you want to see any of the movies uh, we're going to talk about, do not uh, listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> listen, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a heads up before we're about to get to the real spoilerific stuff. Please, please listen to our podcast. But, please, uh, please like, write, and review. So, anyways, I saw the the movie was called The Mayor, and I saw it in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Horror Film Festival Nerd. in 2010. <laughs> and it was interesting because I hadn't really been watching Jala that much at that point, and I went by myself, and before that I went to a law school after-class function at a restaurant where we all got pretty loaded, and... Uh, I ate a bunch of crepes, and then I drank a bunch of margaritas, and then mm -hmm. I got to the movie theater, and it wasn't even open yet, so I went to a restaurant and then just drank a bunch of scotch. So by the time the movie rolled around, I was pretty loaded, <laughs> and I was really excited for a good time, and it wasn't what I expected at first. It's, like, really weird, and the middle half mm -hmm. gets, like, all saucy, but in a teenager sexy way. Yeah. So that was weird, and I, I'm sitting in this movie theater, and everybody's kind of like, what the fuck are we watching? And there's not that many people to begin with, but they're all, like, looking around, they're looking at each other, a lot of flashing images and sex sounds, but, like, no sex, and... <laughs> You're burping up crepe, crepes and fucking yeah. alcohol. And I think I, at some point, snuck out to take a, a leak and smoke a cig, but when I came back, it was the last third of the movie, which, like, totally jumps into what I'm about, but does what Jalo does in terms of murder and all that stuff that I'm going to describe in detail in a minute, but like on a much hyper, more hyper level, like it's mm. very intense visuals, it's way more modern, the effects are so much better, yeah. so when it gets down to the killing, the killing is brutal, and it's all straight razors, and black leather, and nighttime, and mm -hmm. POV style slashing, it's, I, I mean, I love the film, I really like the film that the couple did after this, even more, called uh, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, which is phenomenal. Great movie. And it's basically the last third of this film for the entire film, but even crazier, by far, way more intense. Uh, but Amer is a really good start for both of them. Yeah, I think visually it was really stunning, um, but the, what the killing in particular was so because I'm used and I said this while we were watching the movie I'm used to 
watching Jalo with you guys that it's from the 70s and everybody's getting murdered, but it's like 70s effects, so it's like, you're like, oh, that's fake, that's fake, that's fake, and this looked so real and was really terrifying. I had to cover my eyes most of the time. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've seen uh, Strange uh, Color of Your Bias Tears, and I fucking loved that movie. It's beautiful, it's dreamlike and nightmarish and wonderful and it's really well written and shot and the sound design's really good and I'd never seen a mare and Sir Dick Fetty had spoken to me about it a lot pretty much since we've been friends and watched their second movie and uh, I was really uh, stoked to see this and not disappointed yeah I, it was a little lack of dialogue never sits well with me um it just makes me uneasy. So there wasn't a lot of dialogue. But it was an art film. Well, once once we show you Strange Color, uh, there's a lot more dialogue, and it won't make you feel any more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. No, it really... I mean, that is one thing with the mayor, is from the get, you kind of get the feeling that this isn't your normal... your normal film, and there's maybe two minutes altogether of spoken dialogue. Um, <laughs> it's really a vehicle for the visuals rather than anything else. But it fetishizes what's already fetishized in the genre to such an extreme that if you're remotely interested in Giallo, um, I'd say watch it if you've seen a few Giallo films. But you might get bored in the first, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, mm -hmm. and that's okay. But it's worth it for the end if you're just in it for the gore. And prepare to be confused. And don't feel bad about getting kind of like skissed out about the gore that's in there, because I've seen a lot of really gory stuff, both, you know, old school and new school, and... Even for me, that was that was rough. That was rough. Well, I think I forget the name of the movie, but it was uh, Louis Bunel and um, Salvador Dali. I think it's an Andalusian dog or something like that. The short mm -hmm. film they did together, but where they take a straight razor and cut somebody's eye, and like there's all these ants and that kind of stuff. Those were the type of uh, visceral visuals you can expect. Mm. So for me, I definitely, I'd say it's a. I'd say it's a 4.5 out of 5. I, I really like it. I like these kinds of movies. I don't want it to be... Like, I'm not... A movie doesn't have to just be a movie. It can be more than that. But I'm, a, I'm an art house guy. Yeah, I mean, the say. thing is, a lot of Giallo can come off as schlock, too. Yeah. And this is not that. Yeah. Neither is Strange Color. Like, it, it's, it's not schlock. It's it's all very well done. The effects, the shots, yeah. everything. Not saying that other Giallos aren't, but, like, you know, when we it's actually get different. into our movies, like, you'll know... Oh, you'll know. Usually it was a really striking movie, and it was, and for what it was, like, I, I agree with you, Frank, like, a movie doesn't always have to be a movie. I, for my personal taste, I wish I could be more into stuff like that, because it just is cool. It's, like, cool stuff, but it strikes no chord in me, and it, if anything, makes me more confused than interested, which I feel like makes me pretty lame on a base level. No, I think I think just people are into different things. I mean, there's a lot of people who would agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of people whose movie reviews that, or tastes I respect or enjoy and have complimentary taste with, but who have described it as an extended music video. Yeah. One with Beyond the Black Rainbow, um, what was that other one? Upstream Color. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of movies that, especially in the past 10 years, have been made where dialogue is just there to carry like the most basic necessary information, and it's so much more about visuals and mm -hmm. sound, and it's basically, if you're not already obsessed with like certain elements of certain genres, then it's just going to be, I'm watching the most 
like dribble. Yeah. I mean, that Valhalla Rising, Mads Mikkelsen has zero spoken lines, and that movie is bloody and absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I will say I really like the use of music from Old, Old Giallo in a modern film. I yeah. thought that, especially uh, in the one scene where she's running in the dark and around the house, like I was like, this is really cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, well, it was, uh, there was a bit of a throwback because um, there was the main theme from Black Belly of the Tarantula plays when the female protagonist returns to her childhood home. And doesn't know how to walk up to her own goddamn <laughs> No, she does not. Getting covered and, uh, in, in the brambles. Yeah. And brambles and sappy girl. But I, I do want to make a quick detour before we get to the main event, which is to say this will be posted weeks, if not months from now. Um, due to the nature of the way things are unfolding. Uh, but I want to mention, I saw Blade Runner 2049 twice this past weekend, and the movie fucking rules. Yes, it rules it so hard. It truly does. It's, it's so good. And if you haven't seen it by the time you heard this, you're a piece of shit. And you should definitely watch it on whatever medium available. It's certainly the kind of movie that benefits from a big screen and a knock-your-socks-out sound system. Oh, yeah. But... You can put on good headphones and take a little bit of disassociative drugs and have a similar effect. So, highly, highly recommend it. I look forward to watching it many times over the coming years. Also, and mind you, this whole this actually kind of goes along with what we're going to be talking about. I just want to mention that I'm very excited, even though by the time this airs, we would have already been to it. Very excited for us to go see Goblin. Mm. That's oh, going yeah. to be really cool. Frank and I, uh, was it like two years ago now? Went and saw uh, Fabio Frizzi play, and man, that was so fucking cool. Yeah. We're just in this, like, underground venue with a bunch of, like, people dressed all gothy, and we met, we met the man. Yeah, and we, we, we spent a lot of money to meet him first and get his autograph and, and shake his hand. He is just the a, most gentle, a delight. nice man, and then he, like, while he's playing, he's just so happy while people are getting eviscerated on a screen behind him. <laughs> And it's just so funky and so cool, and yeah. I just can't wait to have another experience like that. I, I was can't wait for super, you to super sick. I got an, a terrible sinus infection the day before we went, so I'm literally leaking fluids and not the sexy kind for the entirety of the performance. I'm in the bathroom taking all the one-ply toilet paper that they'll allow me to have, and then just like blowing my now raw nose. While meanwhile we're watching all this, I can remember the shoes I wore were also terribly uncomfortable, and I couldn't feel my toes by the end. But it was. Etched in my brain is one of the greatest performances I've ever been to. It was, it was really fantastic. I look forward to you being involved in something like that. Cause it's, yeah. it was, it's, it's really cool. And it's not like, you know, you go to a show and there's people like, you know, drinking, smoking pot, acting out a fool. This was all just people there literally just for the music. They weren't there to get fucked up. They weren't there to start fights. They weren't there to like, you know, try to bang some random girl. Maybe some of them were. But, you know, they were just there for the music, and it was such, like, a pure thing, and this old Italian dude just yeah. fucking funking out up there. Love it. Love it when people funk out. Yeah, so we're seeing Goblin in Philly on uh, October 31st, a.k.a. All Hallows Eve. Yeah, Halloween. 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 So it should be extra spooky, and I plan to go naked. That's good. So, I, I will like also that. be naked underneath my clothing. Ah. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to do the initial sort of intro into Giallo, which uh, maybe I could have done before we talked about a mayor, but it's all good. So, Giallo, or Giallo, or Giallo, or however you say it. Giallo. 
equals yellow. It's yellow. It's movies about yellow people. It's not Asian yeah. people, but... The oh. Simpsons. Anyway, um, yeah. So, it's essentially a genre of Italian thriller and horror films that started in the 60s, ended more or less in the late 70s, 80s, and it takes its name from the yellow-covered, cheap, uh, pulp detective novels that were popular in post-fascist Italy. So, mm. essentially, the really, like, you know, the nickel novels that were about whatever detectives or thrillers kidnap like you know all that kind of stuff it has roots similar to the Pulitzer um cop movies in germany and italy that were also popular in the 60s and 70s and it's you know basically just comes from like pulp so the golden age of giallo was uh 1968 to 1978 the genre of film is credited as being created by Mario Bava with his 1963 film *The Girl Who Knew Too Much*, which has a very young John Saxon. Yes, it does. He still looks like an old man, but he's very young. He's very handsome. He's very capable. A sax man. Yeah, it's sax man's at it. And uh, for those who don't know John Saxon, he's in uh, *Nightmare on Elm Street*. He's the dad. He's in. He's in a ton of Italian films. He's in. Um, what's the other one he was in? Uh, *Black Christmas*. He was in. Yeah, *Black Christmas* and. He, he often plays a cop. He's he's great. Anyways, it was wild to see him. Ben and I watched that one. Girl who knew, knew too much. It's kind of goofy. Like it's really got some goofy parts to it, but it's well done. And for 1963, it was pretty pretty enjoyable. Uh, then the next year, Mario Bava did Blood and Black Lace, 1964. We reviewed that. I think the last episode. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorites. It's it's a body count movie. It's got gruesome deaths. It's got. Uh, wonderful use of colors and all this other stuff. A lot of the trademark visual pizzazz um, it shows up for the first time in that film. But the movie that blew the <coughs> genre into megastardom was The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which was Dario Argento's feature film, original first movie. Uh, and it was a economic powerhouse of the movie. I mean, it made a ton of money on... A relatively high budget for, by Italian standards, but way like way more over its budget. Great movie. And essentially showed that the genre could be super profitable. And all of a sudden, there were a ton of directors doing stuff in it. That's one of my all-time favorites as well. Bird we reviewed that, didn't we? Did we? I believe we. You watched it with us, right? I think we watched it in sure. Airplace, though. I don't think we watched it What's prior. What's the name of that? The, the, it's the art gallery Saturday ah, I'm pretty sure we watched that. That was, house, that. was yeah. at your house, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah so we haven't one. we haven't reviewed that one on the podcast, but um Watch it. Yeah, super classic. From my perspective, so they say the golden age is nineteen sixty eight to seventy eight. I think it, like basically everything after seventy five for the most part is garbage. There's a couple exceptions. Um one is Tenebrae, which is Argento's own 80s giallo that has meta elements of the genre in it and um, is really good. Is honestly better than a lot of his movies from the 70s, for my taste, and has a great post-goblin score by um, Simonetti and, and friends. New York Ripper, which is 1980, um, and that's a Lucio Fulci classic. It's, it. it's described as the most misogynistic film of all time. That's definitely not true, but it's certainly one of the most enjoyable giallos of all time. I, 
that was like the third giallo you ever showed me. That's yeah, the first was, giallo I ever saw. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, it's, it's got a really funky fun. soundtrack. Yeah, it's got right. exceptional murders, really attractive women getting sliced and diced, mm-hmm. um, and then excellent villain. It's got Bruno. Yeah, it's got it's got Bruno, but it also has a serial killer who talks like Donald Duck. Yeah. If you guys don't know who Bruno is, he's the titular I'm about, character. I'm about to get to it. Oh, okay, good. So, uh, <laughs> the other post-75 gel that I'm a big fan of is A Blade in the Dark, which was actually by Lumberto Bava, who is Mario Bava's son. And to my knowledge, which is not, I'm just, this is total conjecture, but in my mind, he's like a humongous cokehead because his movies are <laughs> disasters of the highest order. And Blade in the Dark is one of the best worst movies of all time. It's got a lot of the elements of Giallo, but it's so dumb and it's so, like, the writing, whether it's a translation issue or just literally nobody, like, cared, it is insanity. There's, but, a, there's a scene where, like, you can't tell if there's glass in this window or not because sometimes <laughs> there is, one. and then sometimes there's people just speaking through the window at a normal speaking voice. Yeah, it's totally unclear. The best part is there's a girl who just is inexplicably in a closet, <laughs> jumps out and then says, oh my god, there's a cockroach. No, she says it's a spider. It's a spider which it is. Yeah, it's a giant-ass spider in the thing, and he's like, that's a cockroach. And, like, is adamant about it. Like, he's like, that's a cockroach, you're an idiot woman. And you're just like, I, I, I don't even know... Is this a Big Brother kind of like two plus two equals five? I'm barely even gonna question well, what you were doing in yeah, one what, of my many what, closets. What was weirder about that is he was like, "Well, come on, like let's have a drink." They never had a conversation about. I think she pushed the drink. Yeah, Bruno's just along for the ride. He's like on a rail shooter. He has no control over what's happening. She was, why was she in the house? There's a lot. They, they don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a vehicle for slaughter, and there is. I think it's the second murder. Is I, in my opinion, one of the most brutal of the. Like sixties to eighties era. Yeah, I mean, Giallo. I was woefully surprised after the, like the first murder is great in the movie, but once the second one happens, it's just like the movie takes it to a whole new level, and then kind of slowly creeps back down. Yeah, no, it gets <laughs> yeah. dumber, like, and dumber as it goes along. But uh, yeah, so that's one to watch. I also really dig the score on that one, and then there's Argento's opera, which is all right. It's got some cool set pieces and some. Cool murders, but in terms of like interesting films, ideas, yeah, it's just it. Uh, it feels like nobody really gives that much of a shit. It's way less of a shit show than Blade in the Dark. It's actually it felt a little phoned in compared to his other Giallo, right? right. So, um, yeah, post two thousands, there was a new interest in the genre uh, that came from both what. We touched feet by accident. under the table. You guys are touching feet? No, I don't know. I feel your pants. Get comfortable. I wish it would stop. You're still wearing your shirt, which makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I took off my pants, though. Not the same. I can't see where you're yeah, your pants are, so. Take Thank it you. up. Take it up. Take yeah. it. Nice. Oh, That's good. You're so yes. hairy. God. Look those muscles. Oh, yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> So, anyways, with the DVD boom, and then especially the boom in blue, Blu-ray remastering and all that kind of stuff, companies like Arrow, Anchor Bay, Blue Underground, um, there's this other one, Shout Fact, not Shout Fact, well, it's one, but uh, some other UK, Shameless, that's it. Uh, a lot of these companies came out and started putting out these movies which were banned for years or edited or hard to get, whatever. There's been a resurgence uh, for both fans since there's availability for these movies, uh, but also for directors and companies to put them back out, to put out new ones. 
Um, Argento did a movie called Giallo that was terrible with Adrian Brody. It's it's really trash, and um, there have been other attempts at it. And as we previously discussed, in my opinion, the only thing that's really come close to the masterpieces of the genre from the 70s is the movies by Helene Cattet and Bruno Ferzani, a.k.a. Amer and Strange Color of Your Body, Body's Tears, which rule undeniably. M so. Mind you, there are a few newer ones that we are interested in watching, but they haven't had a chance to. Like, uh, what's the one about the composer? Oh, uh, Barbarian Sound Studio. Yeah. Although, from my understanding, is less straight giallo and more elements out. But yeah, yeah. There, there are movies that are throwing back to the 70s and these types of films. There's a couple other ones, too, that I've heard of, but most of them don't seem very good. And it's kind of like one of those things, there was a magic then... Like, is that magic still around? It's like trying to make a, a modern-day slasher. It just doesn't work. All the good stuff's happened. Yeah, you know, we've already done it. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, my exposure to the genre started uh, in late high school, early college, somewhere in there. I got into it like most good things through Harsh Noise and Power Electronics. There was the Rita's... Bodies Bear Traces of Carnal Violence, which is the alternative title for Torso, um, which I had heard, which is a harsh noise wall album that just is, my understanding from old interviews was something like, he used source sounds from that film and I think maybe other Giallo, and then just distorted them and distorted them and distorted them to create this 30 minute epic masterpiece of harsh noise wall that's like one of the most legendary albums in the genre and totally rules, so you guys should check that out. And the other one was Edwige, which is a project of the Rita, Mania, and Sewer election, which is also themed around the actress Edwige Finnick and uh, Giallo. And there was other people like Werewolf Jerusalem, um, Richard Ramirez is, is the guy's name, not related to the serial killer, but wow. has all these Giallo-related projects. So all this stuff I became tangentially aware of as I got more and more into Harsh Noise, which then led me to check out these DVDs, which were suddenly being uh, released by Blue Underground and other similar DVD companies back when Netflix, could, you could actually rent stuff worthwhile. And I think the first one I saw was um, either Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, or it was... I think that was it, but it was certainly something with Edwig Finnick because I understood she had gigantic boobies that were often um, shown. They're not shown. that big. They're great. They're pretty. I did not say they're not great. I'm sorry. I, well, I, I gave so like they're not they're triple great, D's, but they're not but they're, big. They're, they're 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 some meaty, dirty pillows. They're, yeah. Those are that's a whole whole thing. Anyway, boobies. So the point of the story is that's how I got into it, and once I got into it. It wasn't crazy. I wasn't watching them every day, but uh, I slowly gained interest in the genre, and as the years went on, I just started watching more and more of the films, and when Ben and I became friends, it was one of the first things I got him into. And that, for me, this is, this is, where my, this is my shit, basically. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm into, is Giallo, uh, more than any other kind of horror film, or slasher film, or thriller, because they have so many things I like so much. So... No, go ahead. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, Frank, uh, good old Dick Fetty here, um, started showing me the genre, and it's been this thing that we kind of fall into every year. So we run, we, we started throwing um, a Halloween horror movie marathon every year about four years ago now. And uh, 
you yeah. know, ever since then, you know, every fall, and it starts earlier and earlier, now it kind of starts in July, but uh, we would start watching horror movies right before the season to gear up, pick out movies and everything, and, um, you know, once, once he showed me uh, Don't Torture a Duckling and uh, New York Ripper, I got fucking hooked, like, it's, it's just so well done in its own right, it's, it's, there's really nothing truly like it. Um, that I've experienced, at least in horror, and, uh, you know, it's at the point now where, you know, we'll be like, oh, let's watch this series, or let's watch this anime, or let's watch this movie, and then we just end up watching Giallo for, like, ten months straight, and it's spawned such an obsession in our friendship that now there isn't just one horror movie marathon, there's now two, one of which is Sleazy Slasher Saturday, which... Half of it's Giallo. Half of it's Giallo, the other is what I'm very well versing, which is, you know, classic 80s slashers and stuff like that, but the Giallo always seems to be a crowd pleaser. I remember, you know, when we had our first one, we showed New York Ripper. That was the one that got everybody hyped for the party. Yeah. Mind you, this was our first year, and there was like six people there, but everyone was like, what the fuck is this? And we're like, no, just keep watching. There's titties, it's there's murder, there's funk. <clears throat> I mean... Daffy Duck. Yeah, Daffy yeah. Fucking There's a duck. towing. Yeah. And, um, it's Donald Duck, not Daffy. Whatever. They're ducks. They talk <laughs> and murder. Anyway. Um, but, you know, it, it created this love of this genre I didn't even knew existed. And, um, you know, Frank's going to mention all the things about it that I love in a minute. But, like, it's 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 well done. And it's, it's something, if, if you're a fan of horror, you're a fan of slashers, you're a fan of thrillers, it's got everything in there for you. And it's got everything you could possibly want. And it's definitely become um, one of my favorites. And it's funny because, you know, Frank and I, we play off of each other. I'm the one that usually tells him about, you know, oh, this new horror movie's coming out. And he's like, I don't give a shit. And then I, it takes me about two hours to convince him that it'll be good. And then he watches it and it's amazing. But anytime Giallo comes up, we're both pretty optimistic about it. And um, we've seen some ones that aren't great. But, uh, you know... In the light of all of it, it was still fun because we get to make fun of the weird, schlocky awkwardness of things like Blade in the Dark, which is by far one of my favorite movies. Oh my right god, now. it's so good. I, uh, I'm not a horror movie person, and I would have never stumbled upon this genre if Frank hadn't introduced me to it. It's okay to call you Frank, right? Because we, we do it in our Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> He's scowling right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Dick Fetty to the fans, but... Amongst friends. If I you guess. see him out in public and you ask for his autograph and don't call him anything but Dick Fetty, he, he will literally him. slap the shit That's out true. of you. Yeah. He always carries and a straight razor. I do normally carry a straight yeah. razor, so. You can call me DF. Yeah. <laughs> uh, diff. Diff. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, it's been an interesting experience for me, for someone who doesn't really pay attention to horror at all, or, or movies for that matter. I'm not like a big movie person, I'm more of a TV series person. Um, but I, I, it combines a lot of things that I like, which is like, uh, especially in the 70s, like B-movie quality of a lot of them. And I think my favorite thing about Giallo is the, in, in most of the ones that I've seen, is the whodunit of it, which is like, from the very beginning, you're trying to figure out who the killer is. And, um, that makes it really enjoyable for me, and I spend most of the movie guessing, and like, most of the time I'm pretty spot on. What's, what's the one we were talking about where the girl falls out of the closet? 
Play in the dark. Okay, I knew the killer in that movie. You she guys don't believe know. that I knew it, she but like, know. I knew it, and I was really proud of myself, and you spoiled who the killer was before they could even end, so part of it's on you. Did I, or did... I think I did it. I think she's just trying to take away from Whatever. the fact that she didn't actually know. Uh, visually, it's really, really pleasing. Um, I like m- murder, like, in true crime in general, so, like, watching people get murdered in a cheesy way with straight razors and gloves and shit is very appealing to me. Um, but I'm in no way, like, can dissect it or analyze it as intensely as these two boys here who, it might be part of their life's calling to do so. Um, but I really enjoy it. I like it a lot. So, uh, (laughs) every time. It's funny, um, it's not a joke that I do own five straight razors and I don't shave with them because I'm lazy and also it's hard. Uh, We're bearded boys. Yeah, we we have beards, and um, but it's funny. Like many things in my life, when I'm into it, I'm really into it. And I did for a while, a couple of years ago, when I was doing nothing but listening to Harsh Noise Wall and l- watching Giallo, carry around a straight razor instead of a regular pocket knife. Um, and I stopped doing that when I reached into my pocket one time to get it out, and it was open, and I sliced my knuckles open, and bled profusely and decided that that was a silly thing to do <laughs> and I would no longer be doing it because there are ones that have latches and hypothetically that would be a safer thing to stick in your pocket but they're razor blades. Yeah, like, where's the fun in that? They're not a toy and the, the bigger reality is I'm a creep but I'm not a killer, you know, yet and I don't... See, you always add that qualifier like you're gonna be one. I, well, I just see myself committing Listen, a murder. Yeah. So like, we can't tell the future, okay? Yeah. We're not psychics. We're just avid horror fans and true crime aficionados. So... I'm, I'm, no, I'm not... Who knows? You know? Convinced that you're not going to. I think definitely at least one of you is gonna commit a murder in the future. Okay, you really think <laughs> if one of us is gonna do it, the other one's not gonna be involved? No. You think we're that selfish in our love? Just don't involve me. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, I just decided that it seemed like an improper thing to have in a pocket because, like, the last thing you need to do is get stopped by a cop and they're like, why do you have a straight racer in your pocket? I really like the genre of Yeah, yeah and they're going to be like, you're going in the car and you're going <laughs> to the skip unit and, you know. Mind you, that's not the only Giallo thing he used to do. Well, um, like wear black gloves? And- well, no, the specific, okay, so one year for Halloween, he was the murderer from Torso. Yeah. And yeah, it was. he got a scarf that looked very similar it's to the one in the movie. Silk it's a scarf. gorgeous silk, silk scarf. After the Halloween party, he wore it everywhere. He also wore <laughs> I his... I got a lot of compliments on it. His, his leather driving murder gloves everywhere. So he wore everything of the costume except for the, the ski, ski mask. mask. Yeah. <laughs> you creepy. It was great. I'm not saying it wasn't great, but, you know, let's be honest and, here. And, and, and if we're going to, full disclosure, be honest... The other thing I really wanted to do, but it felt like there's a line in my life at almost 30 years old. Some things I just can't get away with. And in Bird with the Crystal Plumage, the killer wears a patent leather trench coat. And there was a patent pleather trench coat, I think, or really cheap leather on Amazon that I lusted over for two months. And was just like, I could really wear this all the time and I could just wear it with my black gloves and look so cool. Then I also thought that, like, I wouldn't look cool. Like, I would look like a weirdo. <laughs> and, like, everybody already thinks I kill people or whatever. And it was just, like, eventually it was no longer in stock and I saved myself from a heap of weird trouble. But 
He says, like, three months prior before he buys one anyway. Well, look, I might buy one at some point, okay? But I'll just walk around my house in all black leather carrying yeah. a razor blade. There's nothing wrong. There's no laws against that. No, in fact, that's hot. That's yeah. encouraged. Mainly because it, you're wrapped in a leather trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> it will be quite hot and juicy. Uh, but, yes. So, we, we've talked about some of these elements, but I want to go into detail as to the sort of quintessential hallmarks of the giallo genre. Um, so, as a genre itself, in comparison to other film genres, it contains elements of slasher, crime fiction, police procedural, psychological horror, psychological thriller, and whodunit. Uh, they're generally a mix of all those. Some of them have a larger emphasis on the police procedural aspect of it. Some of them are more dreamlike and spooky. Some of them are more thrilleristic. And uh, it, they sort of, you know, they, they can have a mix, but it's only a mix of those elements. Uh, some of the signatures of the genre are the, and I started with this because it's one of my favorite elements, are the, the scores for the films. So Goblin and Fabio Frizzi are the two most famous composers in the genre outside of Ennio Morricone. Um, Goblin are famous because they did Dawn of the Dead's original score. It's used differently in the Euro version versus the US version, but anyway. Um, they did a lot of the movies for Dario Argento. So they did Suspiria, they did Deep Red, they did, um, excuse me, Tenebrae, um, I think another one of his. They've done scores, they did the Buio Omega score for Joe Diamato, Spanish director. They've done some other Giallo-related stuff. And, um, they're, they're like a mixture of prog and jazz and synth and it's just really wild and they would compose their scores like they would just write pieces of music and then Argento would just splice in chunks of whatever song wherever he saw fit so a lot of times in the movies it's very abruptly cuts from like middle of a funk song to just like being over <laughs> and there's none of the care that you hear in something like a John Carpenter film where he scores everything from you know the cues to the main themes and so his movies have like a beautiful seamless flow in the, the music behind them. Everything about Giallo is a little harsh. It's a little heavy. Yeah. It's, it's a little like just we're just getting this done. We're churning out another film a lot of the time, even for the best directors. Um, Fabio Fritzi did work similarly with uh, Lucio Fulci, where he would compose music before the film came out or before it was even being filmed. Sometimes he would do it after the fact. A lot of times his pieces were just slapped in there. Uh, but they're also this funky, proggy, 70s, just great stuff. And his, his stuff was a little bit later than a lot of Goblin. Um, he went more into the 80s. And then Goblin stayed a band in their own right and are now back together and doing this tour. And they've released a new album and stuff like that. Fabio Fritzi now tours and plays all the old hits. And then the other famous maestro is Ennio Morricone, who's famous for his spaghetti western scores for all the Sergio uh, Leone movies. And um, a bunch of other stuff, though. I mean, he's scored hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies at this point. And he's done... He did Black Belly of the Tarantula. He did, uh, I don't know, a bunch of other Giallo that I'm... Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Um, Blood and Black... No, I don't think he did Blood and Black Lace. But uh, anyways, he's, he's famous. His scores are good. They're not as synth-heavy, generally. They're more orchestral. But he does use a lot of dissonance and sexy-sounding voices and stuff like that. So, he's a heavy hitter for sure. Um, another one of the main things is gorgeous set pieces. A lot of the movies have these insane uh, interiors where they take place, uh, a lot of color, hand-painted stuff, or wild modern architecture. 
alternatively they can take place in cities like Rome or cities in Germany or wherever and they'll turn what were major metropolitan cities in Europe in the 70s into these desolate looking bleak cityscapes not in a Blade Runner style but in a very haunting kind of like where is everybody yeah. sort of way and it's especially notable in Argento's films he does a really good job of that in both Tenebrae and Deep Red yeah he does um, just to hit on some of these other stuff I've got a really long list here I don't want to just bore you guys we talked about the intense colors um, confusing plots and red herrings that's another trademark uh, it's part of the whodunit aspect but it's also part of the shitty writing that plagues most of these films. It's not clear, like, what the fuck is going on. There's abrupt cuts, there's plot holes, there's one-time characters who seem important and then just disappear. And then there's always somebody who seems so obviously the killer and totally isn't. And the killer's always the last person you expect. Or the first. Yeah, or the first, but then they'll lead you to think it's not them and all mm -hmm. this. They, they, they really try to get you every other which way they can. Um... A lot of times the protagonist is either an amateur detective, an artist, or a tourist. Rarely is the protagonist a cop. Uh, Black Belly the Tarantula is an exception in that regard. There's a couple other like it. Most of the time, though, it's somebody who um, is put in a position that they normally wouldn't be associated with. Generally, they witness a murder or murders involved, which is unusual for most people anyway. But especially like for ill-equipped, artistic, or like just out of their element kind yeah. of people. Mm -hmm. um, Gorgeous women. Normally a bunch of them. Mostly murder victims are women. Sometimes men too. But women are generally the focus of the murdering. It's always better to kill a beautiful girl than a beautiful man. It's just how it is. And it's Italy in the 70s and 80s. You mean like to watch? Yeah, better? aesthetically, okay. yeah. Okay. I mean, that was what Argento always said, at least in Fulci, I think. Was Is that in what he said? Yeah. Or why would I kill a man when I could kill a beautiful woman? That is a hell of a What's more heartbreaking, seeing a beautiful man die or a beautiful woman? Yeah. I think they're both equal. I do <laughs> too, but I, you know, that's probably what he was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So it's one of the many reasons the genre is labeled as super misogynistic. The casual domestic abuse a lot of these films have <laughs> on top of the murder could also lend you know, to that. Did I see air quotes around that casual part of the domestic abuse? Yeah. I mean, well, it is casual in the way it's done, but to be we fair, watch... a lot of these movies show strong, strong relationships. True, true. They can. Blood and Black Lace. Yeah, or um, what have you done to Solange? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's a real marriage right there. So uh, some of the, the, the bombshells from these films, Edwidge Finnick, we've mentioned, Barbara Bouchette, who for me is probably my favorite, Susie Kendall is another, if she's in it, watch it, Daria Nicolotti, who was... Dario Argento's main squeeze for a long time and in most of his films. She was a real looker in the earlier stuff and then she got older and she's still attractive, just she's like a minx in deep red. And, oh, yeah. You know. Um, for the slasher elements, you've got a point of view of the killer a lot of the times, where aspects, eyes through peepholes, through windows, through that kind of stuff. There's a lot of like peeping. There's a lot of peeping from the perspective of the killer. Almost created that, you know, first person view of the American slasher where you're inside the head of the murderer yeah. and he's creeping and peeping. Yeah, you, you watch Halloween and you think, oh man, this is so cool because it's like Michael Myers' perspective and it's they were doing this 10 years before. Mm. So, uh, and all, a lot of these movies influenced the, the you know, late 70s to late 80s era of American slasher, so... Uh, black gloves, straight razors, or big fucking shiny knives. 
Um, and switchblades. Switchblades, yeah, stilettos, those kinds of things. Those are normally the murder weapons, but not always. Voyeurism, as I mentioned. Oftentimes, the killer is a sex maniac or a perverted monster. Perversion is a big theme in, in these films. And a lot of times, they're spurred on by some kind of childhood trauma, which we get flashbacks mm -hmm. of. Uh, and finally, the, uh, the other sort of main thing, and what I love about this genre, because it speaks to my many years of hardcore abusing psychedelic drugs, is... Um, the descent into madness and paranoia elements of that a lot of the protagonists or female characters in the films deal with and they're like losing their minds you don't know who the killer is are they the killer like you know what's real what's not uh i really like that stuff i always like when your identity's questioned or or reality's questioned you know are you sane who could tell if you were or who could tell if you're insane could you tell if you're insane i don't know that stuff gets me boned up boned uh, up the last thing I'll say is the cops are generally completely incompetent. Not just generally, utterly completely incompetent. Yeah. In almost every single one. So I just wanted to, to go through what I think are quintessential Giallo films for those who are interested in the genre. Uh, see what you guys have in terms of offering. We've kind of talked about all these already, but um, my favorite, it sort of goes back and forth, but my two favorites are Torso, a.k.a. Bodies Bear Traces of Cornel... Cornel... <laughs> Cornhole <laughs> violence. Uh, no, Carnal violence. Uh, 1973's Sergio Martino is really, really good. Um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Argento's debut, also phenomenal film. Um, those are probably my top two. I also have Deep Red, a.k.a. Profundo Rosso, 1975 by Argento. 1982, The New York Ripper by Fulci. What Have You Done to Solange by Massimo Dalamo. Uh, Dalamano, and of course, Blood and Black Lace by Baba. But Great I, movie. I didn't know if you guys had any more to add to that list. I mean, you hit most of them. I mean, I out of all the ones we watched together, those are probably also my favorite. New York, New York Ripper is definitely high up on my list. Um, but Blade in the Dark is always going to hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> Something about that movie. I cross-dressed for Halloween and looked great because of that movie. Yeah, you did. Yeah, once uh, these are up and we start posting stuff on the quote-unquote gram, you will see a beautiful picture of Fetty and I. I'm dressed like a woman, and he's holding a straight razor to my throat in a ski mask, and it's the sexiest damn thing you've ever seen. Yeah, and that was when I was dressed as the torso killer. My ski mask color is not the right color, but <laughs> it's whatever. It's, it's okay. Fun. It's okay, baby. But no, I, I agree. I don't remember the names. I like have a hard time. I like hear you guys say them, but I can't remember what goes with who or what. But mm -hmm. I like the one where all the models got murdered. Blood and Black Lace. Blood and Black Lace. Um, I really like New York Ripper a lot. It's the first one we started with, but like, it was just such a wild fucking backstory, like yeah. that you almost couldn't figure out who did it because like the backstory was. No, so, there was no. It was so weird. Now this isn't technically a giallo, but I it's it's got a lot of tropes to it that have like you know very similar stuff to it but um yeah fucking do it stop kill yourself stop don't kill yourself people fetty's fetty's uh shaving his arm right now with a straight razor don't. um black christmas had a lot of gel aspects to it and you know that's probably just because it came out out after most of them but it you know it had a lot of those tropes like the good music 
weapons, the killer, the phone calls, stuff like that. It was all very well done. It's not technically Giallo, but if I don't know if I'd appreciate as much if I didn't have the same appreciation I do now of Giallo because of watching so many of these movies. But um, New York Ripper's probably one of my... It's either Torso or, or New York Ripper are my favorites. Yeah. I've grown a, a definite fondness, too. When we first started watching them, I was like, this is not my bag. And now that I've seen what the fuck is a this? bunch of them, uh, I really enjoy them. So. To be fair, the one I did my research on is one of my new favorites now. Okay. So it's obviously not on that list because you and I haven't watched it together, which we will, but the movie fucking was. Yeah. So I think uh, Flex already mentioned, but we've all picked movies that... Uh, the rest of us hadn't seen for the most part. Ben and I saw the movie that Flex is going to review, um, but I had not seen the movie I did. Ben hadn't seen his, and uh, you want to you want to start there. So the name of your movie that you did, Fetty, is Five Dolls for an August Moon, aka <laughs> Five Bamboli per la Luna de Gusto. Oh, that's Ooh, good, baby. De Gusto. Yeah. That's August in Italian. Was that tell. Italian? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, mine was actually a Mario Bava film. It's from uh, came out on Valentine's Day, which oh. they don't celebrate in Italy, as far as I know, or maybe they do. I don't. I have actually no idea. <laughs> <laughs> 1970. So it's uh, it's right there and smack dab in the middle of the golden age. This is not a golden age film. This is <laughs> this is not very good. Um, so, before I watched it, I knew two things. That Edwig Finnick was in it, and I hadn't seen it. Uh, and I've seen her get naked in most of the films she's gotten naked in. And that Mario Bava considered it to be his worst film. So, I was pretty excited, because this is going to be fun. And, uh, as far as I knew, I didn't do any advanced research, but Edwig Finnick was going to get naked. So, it was worth it to trek through the schlock for that. Uh, the plot is primarily taken from Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. And what I didn't know when I did a little research was that book was originally called Ten Little Serious. Yeah. Wow. After a oh, British nice. blackface song. So they changed some of... Well, they eventually changed it to Ten Little Indians, and yeah. then they changed that. We're yeah. going to have to edit that out. That was, Are we? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it used to be a... No, 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 I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm just... I know you're not saying it's okay, but you're still saying it with a hard R. Well, that, that's how it's pronounced. I don't care. Even with the soft A, it's not okay. So, it's called Ten Little N-Words? There we go. Uh, yeah, so, okay. That sounded like I said Edwards. <laughs> anyway, Ten Little Edwards. So, <laughs> yeah, anyways, as I said, Mario Bava said it was his worst film. Uh, that being said, there was a, another film he put out that year called Hatchet for the Honeymoon that you and I watched together, Ben, mm -hmm. and that was way worse. I hated that movie. Yeah, that, that movie was really was bad. Garbage. It was painful to watch, and the guy was hatching women on their honeymoon. I mean, you don't think you could screw that up, mm. but yeah, no, Mario Bava just totally fucked we were, the dog. We were really excited about that, because it's about people getting hatched on their honeymoon. Yeah. Shit. That movie was shit. So, I thought this was certainly better than that atrocious train wreck. But this was not very good. Um, so it stars Austrian William Berger as Professor Farrell, who was a spaghetti western and Pulitzer actor. Italian Ira von 
Furstenberg, which I don't think, I guess her dad was not from Italy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> guessing. Did you watch it in English or did you watch it in subtitles? Uh, I watched it in English. Okay. With subtitles on. It's a, it's one to know. Yeah, no. Um, I watched a torrent of this film. I do not own it. She plays Trudy Farrell, Professor Farrell's wife. Algerian Edwige Finnick, uh, who plays Marie, who is married to one of the other guys. And Ellie Gelliani, who plays Isabel, who is easily my favorite character and the cutest of the cute girls in the film. And the whole thing basically takes place on this island where three super rich industrialists have uh, brought this professor and his wife to the island to basically try to force this professor to sell the formula that he just came up with for some new kind of synthetic resin. And it's going to change the, the, the manufacturing world. And so they want to have this this um, formula, if you will. I'm already bored. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, and basically he's like, no, I want to keep it. It's a humanitarian. My partner died trying to figure this out with me. And like, I'm not going to let you guys have it for any price and blah, 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 blah. And the real star of the film is the villa that it's set in because it's this ultra-modern, like, bayside, super cool, like, could have been Miami Vice set piece, but very Italian, but, I mean, just, there was sliding doors, there were huge circular beds that rotated, they had, like, an on-off switch to rotate the beds, there were huge showers that were, like, in the middle of rooms surrounded by glass, there was, was a, a big fuck bathtub... Man. Yeah, it was like a total rich white people, like, let's do coke, let's get drunk, and let's fuck each other's wives, and all that basically happened, minus the coke, at least not on screen. They, they seemed like a much more narcotic crowd, honestly. And uh, the other thing that I loved was the people smoked the entire movie the entire time. I smoked like half a pack of cigarettes watching it. You mean every Italian movie? No, but this was, this was next level. And the best part was the actors are like looking around, they, they always have these ashtrays everywhere. But there's like so much that you could see them. They would just like start ashing on the floor, like not knowing what to do. Because they're not. It's not like fake cigarettes. They're actually smoking. It was really interesting in that respect. And um, so the 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 where it is and the way it's shot are really enjoyable. And for that reason alone, I'd say it's worth watching. Uh, there's J and B liquor whiskey. Blah 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 which is another hallmark of the giallo genre that I didn't even bring up, but J&B is in like half of these movies. There's always just bottles and bottles of J&B, which is why I started drinking J&B back. back it's like they all had some weird brand deal going on. Yeah, it really was weird. But um, So they're, they're pounding that, and uh, basically it's like rich white people being shitty. It was kind of like watching... Well, I've never seen Entourage, but I imagine that this is sort of what it was like. <laughs> Don't ever watch Entourage. Rich white people being shitty. True. Yeah, no, it was really... And the, the best is, so they have this houseboy, and they call him Houseboy. Oh, yes! God. Yeah, so in the beginning of the movie, they're, like, getting drunk. Like, Edwig Finnick is dancing, whatever, but she doesn't have her titties out, so I'm already annoyed. And, uh... <laughs> Then they, like, pretend to, like, sacrifice her, but then you think they actually kill her, but then it's a joke. But it's, like, all this just, like, everybody's being, like, shitty to each other. <laughs> and then it just cuts to her banging the, banging the, uh, houseboy. Houseboy. <laughs> and, um, so, basically, as the movie goes along, people start getting picked off, and the houseboy's the first to go. Mm. And that allows for the best dialogue in the entire film, which is... Edward Phoenix talking to her husband after she discovers the body. And she's not, like, perturbed in any way, shape, or form. Like, she's bummed she can't bang the houseboy anymore. But her husband's like, you're a dirty whore, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, I know, whatever. And he's like, it's just not even about the fact that you're with another man. And she was like, but a houseboy? I mean, like, really? Like, have some modicum of respect and decorum and blah, blah. And it was just 
but very clearly, like, rich white people weren't supposed to be associated. It wasn't even, like, he was a Italian houseboy, you know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know, it just tickled me. I was like, wow, this, this movie is just really something else. And, uh, so I'm just going to go through the deaths here, because there's not really a lot to talk about this with this one. The houseboy gets murdered, stabbed in the chest. Um, they don't show what happens to the corpse, but basically it washes up on shore a little bit later. Uh, the guy who owns the house, his name is George. His wife is out there painting, and the body just like rolls into the easel. Does she? Does she paint the body? No, she doesn't. She uh -huh. cries a lot, and uh, they just decide, well, we don't know what to do, and the boat to take us home isn't here, so they just put him in a big meat freezer. <laughs> but they tie him up like Japanese bondage style with a bunch of ropes, and they put all this plastic over him, a la Twin Peaks, and just hang him up. And they're like, I bet we're the first house to have a frozen house boy, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I shit you not. <laughs> like, yeah, like, literally, something along those lines. And I was just like, wow. And then as every person in the cast gets murdered, they just keep putting them in the freezer. So by the end of it, there's just all these people who are hung up on ropes, like, in a sexy fashion, covered in plastic sheets, dead. Now, do the police get involved at any point? Uh, not until, no, not even the police. They never, you never see a cop. Wow. Yeah. Because they're on this isolated island, and the main guy, George, sends his boat away so that essentially they can isolate this professor and break him down. And all the three industrialists are like, we'll split the formula and we'll all get rich. But they're all secretly trying to yeah. get the professor to sell to him first. So the one guy whose wife is Edwig Finnick, he's like trying to have her seduce him. The other guys, it's not clear what his plan is, but he's just kind of a jerk. And then George has this ascot um, the whole time, so I guess that's his plan. It's really nice, though. Like <laughs> He's got like a bunch of them, and he really dresses like his a... His plan? Have, have, have you read or seen Ten Little Indians? Uh, when I was a kid, but not... Is it? Do they have a fun little poem in it, too? No. No, no they do not. That's disappointing. Yeah. But um, the professor gets shot in the head. He's the second person to go. And... Uh, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way. And then it shows that this girl, Isabel, is the one who did it. And she's just like a girl who like runs around the island and acts really like, like, like a cat. She's very skittish. She barely talks to anybody, and she's like stealing stuff from the people nice. the whole time. And you're like, why would this little girl have a sniper rifle in the first place? And why did, <laughs> why did she shoot this professor in the head? It's totally unexplained. But then all the other people think the other people did it. But they all know that they've all got schemes. And it goes on. And then Peggy, uh, who is one of the industrialist wives, she gets shot in the head. And then Marie, uh, Edwig Finnick's character, they find her tied to a tree with a knife in her breast. And then Jill, who's like lezzing out with the professor's wife, she's dead in a bathtub. And there's a note that says that I can't take it. And it's like, you know, written in lipstick or whatever. But you, they never say whether she got murdered or she actually killed herself. Uh, there's a really great scene, though, where a bunch of marbles fall down the stairs into the tub she's in, and then it shows her, and you're like, whoa, whoa. Uh, the one guy just dies. They don't explain how or, like, when. They don't show it. Um, then George gets shot by Jack, and then you find out that it was Jack and the professor's wife who planned to kill everybody because mm -hmm. she had the formula secretly unbeknownst to her husband, and Jack was, I guess, willing to murder everybody. And, um... And the professor's wife is... Anyway. Huh? Is no, no, no. She's dead. She oh, was, like, dead. not even an important character. Oh. She just she does get naked twice, and then she dies. Oh. So, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I wasn't that bummed. But, uh... Yeah, so the best part... One of the best parts of the movie is at the very end, when they have this, like, she's given him the formula, and she's given her a check, and 
and you're like, yeah, and you know they're about to both shoot each other, and then she reaches into her purse to, like, put the check away, but she's got a gun. She, like, shoots him in the face through the purse, right. and the bullet that goes through his face, but then he, like, gats her, like, seven times in the chest, and right. then she, like, shoots him. And then the, the hot Isabel girl comes and takes all the money and the formula and boogies. And then it cuts to, boom, uh, you don't see who it is, but just jail cell bars, and cute Isabella, who's in, like, little surfer shorts and, like, little, little top the whole time, comes in and like all this fancy fucking Italian designer shit and she starts talking and you find out the professor was alive. She shot him with a sodium pentothal bullet to make him fall asleep and to fake his death. That's not a thing. Yeah, I know. But then she kept shooting him with sodium pentothal and then when the cops finally did come and everything, he told them about how he killed his partner to get the formula and like all this, yeah, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just like the most asinine like explanation, and I was just like, but she says it like so cute, and she's like, and I need the code for the bank account. He's like, you already spent two million dollars, and she's like, where you already spent three million dollars, and she's like, I only spent two. I need the code for the last million. He was like, all right, babe, and then she just like boogies and like jumps and rolls, and the movie's over. And it's funny because it says fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is it though? I love it, that. Fine. 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 Yeah. Really? Yeah. Fine. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. No. It, that is really good. Yeah, it was like, wow. it was, it was Fine. some off-brand shit. And, uh, you know, for somebody like Mario Bava, there was clearly skill by the cinematographer and the director in the sense of, you know, I'm going to show you a visually pleasing film. But outside of that, it was dumb as rocks like dumb as they come and also there was almost no on-screen murder most of the tropes of giallo weren't really present and it i don't even know that it really counts as such it was more of a whodunit in a classic clue agatha christie style than it was a giallo it had some of the same actors and some of the stuff and the the shots of the bodies in the freezer was pretty cool but I mean, some Giallo can get away with the, you know, doing an off-screen thing, but it's like, you know, there was like, none it of, has to be good. Yeah, there was none of the thriller aspect. It was way more of a slow-moving thing. And, um, you know, I mean, if you've watched a lot and you want something different, check it out. It's got, like, kind of a fun Samba score to it, too, which, like, kind of keeps the pace up or tries to. But definitely not something to start with as a beginner. Not even something to start with if your time is precious to you, but <laughs> if, like me, you just like getting nude and smoking cigarettes, then it's not a bad way to spend an hour and 20 minutes. Fair enough. All right, that is a review. Good job. Bob. All right, so I'm going next. Yep. We loosely mentioned this movie already. It's done by the great director, for the most part. I don't like all of his movies. Unless, I like the earlier ones. Anyway, besides the point. Dario Gento. Four Flies on Grey Velvet, also known as For Moshe de Velluto Grigio. Mm. Uh, the movie was I feel released, like I'm in Italy. Right? I feel like I'm in Italy. Right? I drove up in right. my Fiat, I'm drinking coffee and eating spaghetti. Ah, spaghetti! So, um, the movie was originally le- uh, released on December 17th, 1971. Mm. Um, it is a good way to spend an hour and 45 minutes. Mm. Uh, I'll start with some quick... Uh, trivia about the movie. Uh, it is the third installment in his Animal Trilogy, which includes Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is great, Cat and Nine Tails, and then this also was the, great. This was the final one. So, And these were his first three movies, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, the taglines for this movie, because I found them and they're great, there's two. 
that I could find. The first one is, if you dare to see it alone, make sure someone escorts you home. Which, I don't know. It rhymes. You'd be like, it rhymes. You'd be like rhymes. meet me yeah. after the movie so you can walk me home, but I don't want you to fucking come. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one is, when flies start to crawl, so will your flesh. So, interesting thing about this movie, um, it wasn't really available for home release until 2009. Huh. Um, there was kind of an obscure, out-of-print French uh, VHS that was going around, but mm, you can't fucking find it. And I'm sure it's in, you know, collection circles worth a dick ton of money. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably a highly coveted item. Yeah, so, um, and it was uh, composed by Ennio uh, Morricone. Ennio Morricone? Yeah, Morricone, whatever. Um, and this was actually the last film him and Argento worked on together for a while because he didn't want to use some of his score in certain parts. And Oh, yeah, Morricone gets all yeah. pissy about that. He was, was, he was real mad. So after this is really when he started like ramping up, working with Goblin and everything, and he actually wouldn't work with him again until 1996. When he did what? Which I don't know. I was too enthralled in this fucking movie, yeah. honestly, to look that shit I up. Do, I do just want to say a quick aside note. I know you guys have already heard a lot from me. But it's funny because the original, well, John Carpenter's The Thing is scored by Ennio Morricone to a point. But Morricone was super pissed because Carpenter basically chopped up a bunch of the score and threw out like 75% of it and was like, I'm not fucking using this because it was just like way too uh, spaghetti for yeah. him and threw in a bunch of his own cues. And so... The scores that were available for a long time have a lot of music that's like, a lot of it's in the movie, but a lot of it's not, and uh, they did not ever work together after that, because Morricone was really pissed about it. Well, what's funny is the score for this movie was actually available before it was, you know, really popular released. Oh, you mean like as a DVD and stuff? No, like, yeah, it was the, the CD was, you were able to get the CD essentially before the DVD came out in 2009. Yeah. Which is crazy. Odd, yeah. But um, it's also the only of Argento's classic giallo where the killer isn't seen in the first sequence. So... What does that mean? So, like, it's not... He's not alluded to. The character's not in the first sequence. Um, and... I mean, you technically see the killer, but the person who is the killer isn't in one of the first scenes. Yeah, so, like, in Bird with the Crystal Plumage, it starts with, like, the killing, like, or the stabbing in the art gallery, and mm. then in Deep Red, it starts with the murder that, like, is the basis for the whole movie, or in uh, Suspiria, you see some, some kill, kill stuff, and I forget about Cat of Nine Tales, but we haven't watched that one in a while. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm going to skip over the, for some reason, mini, um, mini synopsis I wrote, even though I took pages of notes about the entire movie. So the movie opens up, the movie's about this guy named Roberto. He's a drummer in this... Roberto! Yeah, Roberto! He's this drummer in this band, and they're like super 70s funky, like you can definitely tell, you know, who late. the composer is. Mm -hmm. and yeah. um, is it Roberto? Well, he's the drummer. He's the backbone of the band, Frank. Yeah. Rhythm so, section's pretty important for funk. So the, the, essentially the whole beginning of the movie <laughs> are shots of him playing drums with the band, trying to kill these flies that are flying around his drums. And it's also, like, cutting between that and this dude with a mustache and glasses following him around, creeping on him and shit. Nice. So, um, pretty much as soon as the mu music ends, he's leaving a band practice at night, and as he's about to leave, he sees the guy who's been following him, so he runs up to him, the guy kind of runs away, 
and he sees him go into this opera house, so he goes into the opera house, corners him, is like, why are you following me? And the guy's like, what, I'm not following you. And he's like, shut up, yes you are. These are exact lines from the movie. I'm just kidding, they're not exact <laughs> lines from the movie. But um, long story short, they get into a scuffle, the stalker pulls out a switchblade, at which point uh, Roberto accidentally turns it on the guy and stabs him, and then all of a sudden these spotlights come on up on him, and it zooms in on the face of this person wearing a mask. It's kind of like a doll mask. It's like a boy's... It, almost like a Ken doll, but with like, these really big eyes. It's super creepy and unsettling. So, this person takes pictures of Roberto stabbing this guy. Roberto runs home all freaked out, can't sleep, crawls in bed with his cute little wife who's got this short blonde haircut. And, you know, he's a musician, but their house is fucking... Oh, yeah. It's so nice. Now, is Roberto swarthy? Could you say that? He's attractive. Okay. Yeah, no, he's definitely he's definitely a looker. He's got this long, dark brown hair. He's got a good, strong tint, chin, big Roman nose. Ooh. You know, he's a good-looking dude. He's yeah. a good-looking dude, and he's talented. So. Yeah. Everybody likes the drummer. Well, you kind of find out later that he's crazy poor, and his wife is the one who has all the money. Yeah. <laughs> so it, ma- it makes sense. I don't but, know uh, a lot of rich drummers. Yeah. Might be handsome, but not rich. So... As he's trying to sleep, the phone rings, his wife rolls over, picks it up, it's pretty much like, hello, nobody answers, she goes, fuck you, hangs up the phone, and he's like, who was it? She's like, oh, you know, there's nobody there, whatever, so they completely disregard it, and then there's this, so there's this, like, overarching theme throughout the movie where they have this really weird-looking mustachioed hostman who just everyone picks on the whole movie, so, like, one of the very first scenes with his wife, like, after they wake up, she goes outside, and... I guess they have, like, they call him the cripple man who lives across the street. And I'm guessing they're getting delivered smut. And this woman is yelling at this mailman. And he, like, takes the rolled up smut and sniffs it goes, hmm. And then delivers it across the street. And she's complaining to uh, his wife, who's, I honestly don't remember her name. I have it written. Wifey. Wifey. Mm -hmm. Oh, I almost forgot to um, mention. So, oh, I have her name right here. Uh, Her name's Nina. The wife's name is Nina. Uh, Michael Brandon played Roberto Tobias. Uh, Mimsy Farmer played uh, Nina. And then uh, Jean-Pierre Morelli um, played Gianna Arosio, who is by far the best fucking character in the movie. I'll get to that, though. And then um, Bud uh, Spencer, who played Diomedi, or Dio, which... I watched the English version. It was supposedly the uncut version. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Um, I don't know if it's actually the uncut version, uh, judging by the end, which I'll get to. I'm guessing it is. But, so anyway, they they wake up. They make fun of the mailman. Make fun of the mailman. There's this great shot where they pan over his gorgeous kitty. I, I remember... I. I rewinded it a couple times. I was like, look at that cat. Because at first I thought he was in a car, but it was just their house. Um, Because I'm an idiot. So, um, the next day after this phone call, uh, they're having a party. And I have it written in my notes a few times. Um, There's this guy who's just the most annoying person in the world. He's a writer. He's the modern day hipster now. He's just talking about his writing and how good it is. And everyone's like, oh, oh my God. Are they in a coffee shop? No, they're at his Stop house. They're, they're at Roberto's house. Why is he there? Because he's one of their friends. Uh, but one of their other friends, which I think I he does a bunch of coke. 
Probably. That's probably why they let him come over. Mm -hmm. He probably brings coke mm -hmm. in a ton. But he only he only does organic coke. Oh, uh, okay. He's one of those guys. Right? Yeah. His belt's made of hemp. You wouldn't know though, because you know. That's he's really a cool. he's a real fucking asshole, and he's the worst character in the whole movie. Um, does he get murdered? No. <laughs> wow. I know. Well, there's there's a part later that you're like really infuriating me that people were eating up the dribble he was talking about. Mind you, it's a movie, not real. So. While they're having this party, one of their friends, which I could totally see one of us doing, like someone's like, oh, why don't you tell him about that beheading uh, you saw? And he talks about this beheading, I think he mentions it's in Saudi Arabia, how this guy is standing over another dude, and he sticks like an old school stiletto, not a switchblade, like a fixed blade stiletto into the guy's neck and then chops off his head. So while all this party is going on, Roberto's looking through his records, because I guess he's bored and he hates all these people. Mm -hmm. Even though half of them are his bandmates. Um, you can hate your bandmates. Okay. True. True. So he's looking through his records, and he pulls out a picture of him stabbing this dude. And Rael's like, oh, fuck. Like, I beheaded him? No, no, no. Like, the dude that oh, he stabbed the in the opera. From... <laughs> so it's nothing Who's... to do with beheading. No, no. Yeah, the guy's there. name was apparently Carlo. Uh, I can't remember his last name. doesn't really matter. But, um... So he's like real wigged out, and the party ends, him and his wife go to sleep, and he wakes up in the middle of the night because uh, he has a nightmare about this beheading. So he gets up, and he starts hearing these weird sounds, and all of a sudden, boom, kill killer's behind him, the guy who took the photograph, garroting the shit out of him, is like pretty much whispering to him like, there's nothing you can do, the police won't believe you, if you try to go to the police, they'll arrest you. And sounds sexy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking great, because it's, the whole movie, they keep saying, like, oh, he's blackmailing me. But really, like, he just wants to keep psychologically torturing this person. Yeah, it's less blackmail and more just good just, times. Yeah, good, good fun. Good fun. So, um, after that, he, he leaves him alive. He's, he's like pretty much like, I could kill you, but I won't. Mm. So, um, then his wife wakes up, and she he tells her exactly what happened. And she's totally like, you're crazy. I don't believe you. This is... This is insanity. You're always looking for attention. So weird. Yeah. Why does it like, you should, you she's like, you should go to this therapist and all this shit. And then she walks off and then immediately walks back and she's like, I found this bloody wallet. And it, the initials were on it were Carlo's initials, the guy who he supposedly killed. And he's like, see, I told you. And suddenly she totally believes him. But why would the wallet be bloody? Because it was on... Because he probably kept in his jacket and he got stabbed in the gut and she's like are you sure you killed him he's like i don't know i stabbed him i mean don't people die do you stab him do it. people die uh, mostly Sometimes. do we want to find out i've got a straight razor stab me no stab me in the genitals no the genitalia yeah. well you, you don't stab with a straight razor frank we've been over this yeah so <laughs> I, my favorite part about the scene is they just go back to sleep even though he just told her, like, yeah, this guy who took a picture of me killing a dude and, you know, it's pretty much threatening me was in our house. Yeah. But I think it'll be okay for us I to mean, go back to I mean, he's in here once. What can we do? I guess he'll be in here again. Yeah. So, next scene's really where the movie, like, really ramps up for me. So, he's... Roberto's walking, like, near this river. And he sees this dude in this hammock. He's got these big glasses on and a fedora and a jacket and a tie. And, uh, in a hammock? Yeah, in a hammock. has a fedora in a hammock? That seems like... We'll get to who he is. Don't okay. you worry. It's pretty fantastic. So he's like, he goes up to this guy and he's like, Hey man, where's God at? And he's like, God is here. God is there. God is everywhere. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, 
you're real funny, but no, really, where's God? And he's like, oh, it's fishing down by the river. <laughs> so he walks up to this big burly dude with a beard who's fishing, and he goes, hey, God! And the dude's pretty much like, fuck you, my name's Godfrey. Can't you call me a di different nickname than God? Yeah. And then you find out that God lives in this tiny little shack. It's very, like, you know, like the 70s hippie type thing, like... Roberto just happens to know this guy that everybody calls God who lives in a shack down by the river. Yeah, I know a guy like that. Nice. So they walk into his shack, and it, right off the bat he goes, Fuck you! And Roberto's like, Whoa, dude, not okay. So he's like, No, not you. Jerk off. And you're like, What the fuck is he got this guy talking about? And then he proceeds to ex uh, explain that his pirate's name is Jerk Off. And that somebody <laughs> gave it to him. And that was the parrot's God-given name, so he keeps calling him it. Well, did God give the parrot the name Jerk Off, or did a Jerk Off give him a Jerk Off the Jerk? That's the best part. I guess we'll never know. But, I mean, he's God, so now I'm so... I'm confused. This is meta. So, he's got a parrot... Uh, God right, has no, got a parrot I, named Jerk Off. I got it, I got it. So, um, Roberto tells... And I don't know why he went to this guy for advice, because the guy lives in a shack, but he seems like he's got life figured out. He asks him... What should I do about all this? This guy is, like, blackmailing me, and he's like, is he asking you for money? He's like, no. And immediately I'm like, he's not really blackmailing you, he's just fucking with you, but whatever. Um, so he's like, you should hire this uh, PI named Eliso, and uh, you should also hire this guy called the professor to watch your house. And he's like, who's the professor? So God reaches up, rings a bell, the dude on the hammock rolls out of the hammock and goes, did you call me? Uh. So it turns out he's... The professor. Oh. So <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's it's so good. So, um, after that, uh, they, you, you, there's a scene where the guy is in the house choking this dude out, choking Roberto out, where their housemaid sees him. So the next, very next scene is immediately she's calling somebody who's like, I saw what you did. I'm going to tell everybody if you don't give me money. And uh, she's like, meet me at the park. So, and the way this scene is shot, it's very jarring, but it's very well done. So she's sitting in this park. There's pe there's kids playing. There's families and everything. And she's, like, sitting there, like, waiting around all antsy and shit. She's looking down at her watch, and all of a sudden, like, everyone kind of blinks out of existence, I guess, to simulate the fact that she'd been there a long time. Passing of time. Yeah. So she's like, fuck it, I'm going to leave. So she starts walking, and dusk settles in and um she hears like a whisper i couldn't make out what it said but she realizes it's the killer and she starts running through this hedge maze which is like really well done really that's beautifully true. shot and then all of a sudden she's in a concrete wall maze that's like she's struggling to get through but she could definitely just walk through it but she's like up against it like the walls are closing there's spider webs in her hair and shit and she gets to this point where she there's these two people walking along the other side of the ro uh wall it's a couple and um, she's screaming, she's like, help me, help me. And the guy's like, don't worry, I'll climb over. He jumps three times, goes, ah, it's too high, I'll go get help. And she's like, no, like, you're gonna, I'm gonna die. And she, he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and uh, then you hear the killer arrive, but you don't actually see the murder on screen. So, so, so I've been told, or I've read, I should say, that this is Argento's most psychedelic movie. Would you say that's accurate from the ones you've seen of him? Um... I think Suspiria is more psychedelic than this, but there are... Th my favorite scene in the whole movie is much later, which I'll get to, and it's very well shot and anxiety-inducing, and it's the way it's shot is just beautiful. The 
color on it and everything. It's just really well done. Uh -huh. um, for the most part, the acting's uh, pretty good. Um, honestly, the main characters aren't the one who make the movie. It's it's like the side characters, like the buddies and everything. Yeah. Um, but it is it is pretty psychedelic, mainly because like the way everything's shot and how everything is seen, especially with that murder scene, because it seems like. It almost, at, for a second I thought it was taking like a supernatural turn, like these walls were closing in mm -hmm. on her, because the way he shot it made it look like it, but you could yeah. definitely tell they weren't, she was just like going, she was like lifting her arms up to make it look like, and like pushing at the walls to make it look like she was being crushed by the walls. Yeah. Who hasn't done that? Yeah. So, cut to, they're having another party, and the annoying writer is there, again, and he's talking about a story he's writing which um, I wrote down in my notebook as Rapey Frankenstein. Ooh. Yeah, it's just a story about Frankenstein, this monster, but instead of him destroying stuff, he just really needs to fuck. I mm. thought that was the original plot of Frankenstein. I don't know. Wasn't it was, that, or was it young Frankenstein? It was just li listening to him talk, and he's ah, like, he's like, fuck, well, they never, fuck! Frankenstein never considered that maybe he was homosexual and didn't want vagina, and it's just like, dude, shut the fuck up. How do you get laid? I hate you. So he was on coke. Did, he, what, did, did you get that appearance? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. always on cocaine. Yeah. And he shoots it. He's not sniffing that shit. He's going right... He's mainline boy. Mainline boy. City boy. So, um... The... His wife receives a phone call, and... Look. Look. Do you have your balls out? His balls have been out. They've been out for like yeah. the last 15 minutes. Show me your balls. No, just put your balls away. Anyway. Leave your balls out. Am I boring you and your balls? No, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm just getting worked up. Okay. I'm all this hedge maze and God. His wife receives a phone call because they're like, where's the maid? Wife receives a phone call that the maid was stabbed to death. Nice. So. <laughs> and, uh, night scene again. He has the same nightmare about, um, this beheading. And he gets woken up by the cat freaking out. And the killer leaves a note, but... In this version, since it was on Amazon Prime, there was no subtitles to tell me what the note said, so that's going to remain a mystery for me, for at least right now. I have three penises and four <laughs> balls. <laughs> so the wife... And the, the cat, like, disappears. So, um... The wife is pretty much like, we need to either leave or go to the police. And he's like, I'm not going to police. I will go to jail, and I'm not leaving my house because of this dude. Like, that means he wins. Or he'll go to the police, or I don't know. So... Um, Here's the fun thing. And uh, if you guys don't want spoilers, please skip ahead because Carlo, not fucking dead. Actor the whole time. Oh. Boom! Mind explosion. So once again, he calls the killer and he's trying to blackmail him, which has gone so well for everyone else that's tried to blackmail him so far in this movie. And uh, they, they meet up. You find out that the stiletto that was used is a trick stiletto. As soon as you push down the tip, fake blood comes out. And, That's um, pretty cool. I want that. <clears throat> I mean, you remember Incinibre, right? How he had the straight razor that he did over. Yeah, it had like the squeeze pump in it. Maybe I don't remember that. Hmm. Which one was Tenebrae again? The 80s version to one. Where the guy's like. The penis? No, 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 no. That's Deep Red. Where, where the, one, it's the one with the cop is like, I read all your books. He's like, well, let me guess. You can never figure out who the killer is if you don't have. <laughs> 
Which leads me to believe that all Italian... part of any Giallo movie I've ever seen. I forgot about that. It's like the most unintentional, hilarious thing. No, never. So, Uh, anyway. So, um, he meets up with the killer who's, you know, Giallo fashion, first person view. And he's like, well, I heard that you actually killed somebody and, uh, you know, this is getting out of hand and the money you paid me to act like that isn't enough. I need more money. That was a performance of a lifetime. <laughs> so, the killer picks up a, um, I don't know, I guess it was like a like a big metal cup or something, beats this dude in the head, gets him down on the ground, uh, gets this wire, wraps it around his neck, starts twisting it, garroting the shit out of him, Ooh. kills him. Is it sexy? Oh, it's it's slow and sexy. Nice. I was joking myself while it was happening. Oh, it was really... You sound like me. Really good. So, at this point... Um, Roberto finally hires the P.I. Orosio, 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 sorry, he's my favorite character, I can't even say his name. So, um, this guy is gay as the day is long, and it is fucking amazing. He's like, he shows up, and he's painting, and the doorknob to his office is literally a eyeball, which is... Great. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's yeah. so good. Like private you're, re- yeah, you're really. Yeah, he's the going brand. public with his private stuff. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they're they're private for you, but not private for the public. Yeah. Okay. So, he's pretty much, he's like, uh, Robert Roberto's like, oh, ne- never mind. And he's like, what? You never, uh, you never hung out with a fairy before. Don't have uh, much experience with the gays. And it's like he's just damn dude. He is such like a like lovable character. So the first thing they do is they, he, he's like, hire me, and Roberto's friend is like, all right, fine. So they go to this bar, and he orders a bunch of food, and he's, he turns to Roberto and is like, so you got this, right? <laughs> he has to pay a bunch of money to the hostess to pay for everything. It's fucking amazing. He's super sassy. And then he proceeds to tell Roberto that he hasn't solved a single case. <laughs> he's done over 80 cases and um, hasn't solved one. But it's super optimistic. He's like, he's pretty much like, you know, that is the worst record ever. But it's dying to be broken. <laughs> and you're just like, I, I, I love you, Rossi. I believe in you. You're, you're, you got this one. Is he handsome? Is he swarthy? He's super handsome and super swarthy. Is he blonde, black? No, he's black? actually slightly older. Uh, he's got a mustache. He's is a little he bit bald fox, on the top. Fox? No, no, brown hair. Okay. But you know, he's wearing a great suit. Yeah. And he's got that confidence. Cardigan. No cardigan. No, no cardigan. Just good double-breasted suit. Ooh, double-breasted. Yeah. I like that. A little bit Make of strips on there. Breasts, yeah. I could be talking out my ass at this point, but I know it was double-breasted. Yeah, okay. So, um, he hires them. He hires them, and, uh, the cat is still disappeared. Um. I guess you're he, bringing this up for a reason. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, they're driving along, and he's, like, asking him all these questions and being sassy about it, and Roberto's like, what are you writing? He's like, oh, it's just nuts, just nuts, just nuts. Just drop me off here. And uh, he gets out of the car. Roberto drives home. Gets out of the car. The professor's like, they've been here all morning. And then you see police at his house. And um, they want to question his wife about what happened to the maid. So she's like, I'm leaving. And he's like, well, I'm staying. So uh, he leaves. Or she's, she leaves, he stays. Sorry. And uh, then they mentioned her once before, but you, she doesn't have a speaking role till now. There's this woman named Dahlia. Uh, she is Nina's cousin. And he's all, like, freaked out. And 
She amazing. She is super hot. She is, wow. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. I love her. Um, so, and I don't know what she expected out of this, but they're talking. He's all fucking hammered. Well, no, he's totally, he's stone cold sober, but he's all like, you know, stressed out about everything. And she's like, well, what you need is a bath. So, I don't know what she was thinking was going to happen when she was bathing her cousin's husband. But he's in the bathtub, and he fakes drowning, and she, like, pulls him back up, and he tries to undo his shirt. And she's like, no, stop it, we can't. And then she's, like, rubbing his back and watching him, and then, lo and behold, 55 minutes, there's tits. Nice. So if you guys want to see the boobles, go right to 55 minutes. They're boning the tub, they're giggling, they're having fun. You almost forget that he's committing adultery at this <laughs> because it's so you know, romantic. of all the fun. And uh, so, uh, I mean, they, what even is adultery though? You know, what even is that? What that's does that mean? Um, Webster's Dictionary defines it as being an adult in a tree. Yeah. Adult tree. Get, go on with it. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> so, Roberto goes to find all these letters and stuff for uh, Adelcio, and um, instead, finds the cat dead in a bag. Aww. Where he'd where he hit them. So, this killer's still going in and out of their house. He hasn't changed did, the locks. Did they, did they lock the doors? That's my I question. don't know. They never show you know. locking a door? No. Is it like a villa? What's the window situation like? There's huge windows. It's but it's in a neighborhood. There, it's a really nice. So it's big my house. house. I could break into it all day. Yeah, but you don't have a giant house. Yeah. With you know, I mean, you've nice stuff, but like you know, these people got money. Yeah. Well, he doesn't, but his wife does. Yeah, it's like he has money. She's like a walking pocketbook. Who yeah. More. So, um, at 57 minutes, a little bit more side boob. You get to see a little bit of nipple, but not much. Uh huh. Just for our uh, listeners well, out the there. What's the areola to nipple ratio? Very, very uh, palm cup nips. Or okay. uh, boobies. Areolas are a good size. You know, not too big, not too small. Like, like a silver dollar? Uh, more, more of a quarter. Huh. Or a uh, large quarter, I guess. A silver dollar. Mm -hmm. No, 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 that's too big. Okay. You say large quarter, I say hey. silver dollar. Hey. Tomato, tomato. Who saw the boobies? It's a really. That's a really good point. <laughs> so... And then, Odysseo right calls him again, and is like, have you ever heard of this person? I think I might have filed something out. And he's like, no. And he's like, alright, bye, and just hangs up. <laughs> so, smash cut to sick, nasty montage. It's funky, Odysseo's driving around, investigating stuff, interviewing people. It's super funky and very montage -y. So, he ends up at this, um, this house. Oh, no, I'm sorry. First, um, he goes to this asylum, and he's interviewing this guy. So there's a scene that's cut into a part where there's, like, a padded room, and then you see a straight razor, and there's a voiceover of this man who's, like, being like, if, you, if they hit you, you get up, and you hit them twice as hard. It sounds like a father figure mm -hmm. pretty much yelling at their son. So after the montage, he, he interviews this, I guess, building, uh, this landlord guy, mm -hmm. which... Really didn't make much sense to me, but I was taking notes, so maybe I just wasn't paying attention that hard. They're flirting; it's super cute. Um, and uh, as he's inter as he's talking to this guy, you see this shot of this giant syringe sucking up this strange blue liquid. Mm -hmm. So then Arisio's on this train, and uh, he notices something. He sees somebody there. 
So they're riding the train, he goes to get off, the person kind of runs off, so he starts running after him, and all of a sudden, the train platform's totally devoid of people. And he sees the, a bathroom, a public bathroom door closed. So he goes in there, and he's looking, and uh, when he, get, he opens one of the stalls, and all of a sudden, boom, he gets hit in the head by the killer. He turns around, and um, the killer takes the needle, plunges it into his chest, injects it into him, and he goes, and the saddest part is the la one of the last things that Aricio says is, I finally did it. I finally solved the case. And then he dies. Oh. Did the blue stuff turn him straight? No, it just killed him. Oh. Which, I, oh, man, I was so upset. I, that really, that really fucking sucked. Anyway. So, then we smash back to... Roberto, smash back. smash back, talking to the annoying writer again. He's like, maybe you went right, maybe you should leave. And he's like, shut the fuck up. So, and it's, and then he sees a newspaper that says Aricio's dead. Mm. And he freaks out. So then, him, the professor, and God, air quotes, meet at the strangest thing I've ever seen. It's a, it's essentially a funeral expo. Okay. With all these crazy coffins, one shaped like a car. There's one that's like giant and green, and it's got two doors on it, and it's like shaped like a human. It's got a big head, and then shoulders that taper down to the bottom. And there's all these. I'm not going to ruin them because I want whoever's listening to this to watch the movie and enjoy this part as much as I did. But uh, they're they make all these great funeral jokes. That is just it's so well done and surprisingly funny. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they kind of discuss what's going on, and um, God, you know, says the word maniac. Not sex maniac, though. Mm. Subtle difference. So, um, then Roberto's having a band practice, and Dahlia realizes something. She's like, I need to call him. And, of course, no one tells him during the band practice, so he doesn't get a, she doesn't get a hold of him. By the time he calls her back, she is hiding from the murderer. She realized somebody's in her house. And I was talking about the scene earlier. There's a scene where she, she's got a screwdriver and she crawls into this armoire. And the armoire has this gorgeous wallpaper on the inside of it. And it's very dimly lit outside of the one strip of light that's coming between the doors. And it's beautiful. It's just so well done. You can really see the terror in her eyes. That you actually feel it. Was really Nina, good. Is Nina the killer? Anyway, shut up. I'll get to who the killer is. You shut your whore mouth. She comes out and uh, she gets her forehead sliced up, and then there's this great shot of her falling down these step these steps, but the camera's focused in on her head. Uh -huh. So she's just like do 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 do, and then she gets stabbed. But once again, there's not too much blood in the movie, yeah. so you don't actually see the plunge the knife plunge <clears throat> into her. And um. Dario actually was wanted uh, this cut out originally, but they're at the police station, but her Dahlia's body is just on this gurney in this giant white room, which I don't know how the Italian police have the money to pay for this room, considering they never solve a fucking crime in these <laughs> movies. And um, the, the cop is like, hey, can I talk to you real quick, to Roberto? And he's like, what, what? Well, I don't know anything. What do you want? What do you want? And he's like, I want to show you this interesting experiment. So... Scientists discovered that the last image of 
it, uh, the last image a person sees is burned into the retina at the moment of their death. So we even this experiment where we could see the last image seen. So all of a sudden, there's an eyeball just out of poor Dahlia's head sitting on this little pedestal, and they shoot a laser through it. What? And it creates this image, and it's four flies. So, um... At, this movie sounds awesome. It is really fucking good. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely watch it. So at this point, Robert Roberto goes home. Robert. Roberto goes home, <laughs> and he... Hey, Roberto! He finally buys a gun. Well, I knew, yeah. After weeks... After weeks, never bought a weapon, never locked his fucking doors. Well, maybe he did. We'll get to that. I don't think he did. It sounds like Roberto's, like, got a drug problem, and he just doesn't, he's not thinking very clearly. I think he was too freak, freaked out to, uh... He's probably hopped up on the devil's cabbage. Jazz, jazz cabbage. Yeah. Devil's so, lettuce. So the scene, um, shows him, like, loading the gun and everything, and God's pretty much like, oh, you finally got a gun, well, lock yourself in this house, and you wait so you can kill the killer, and... So the very next scene, he is lounging on his couch, holding his gun up, like, just, like, all sexy, one cool leg guy. up, just, like, looking yeah. ready to fuck. It's like when Homer Simpson gets a gun and, and Marge and the kids move out, and he's just, like, walking around the house shooting the TV yeah. on and the lights off. It's exactly like that. Okay. So he sees the light of his neighbors across the street go on and off, and then he sees someone, like, pass by. So he runs over, turns off his lights. No, he turns <laughs> off his lights. Um... Pulls out the light switch, uh, takes this wire, strips the wire with his mouth, which I'm pretty sure was a live wire, but whatever. It's a movie. The human body, when it's grounded, won't uh, like on. <laughs> so, essentially what he does is he jerry-rigs the light switch. so He connects a longer light to it and like hides in the corner so that way he can touch the two tips together uh -huh. and the light will come on while he's holding the gun. Door, Front door opens. He goes to raise the gun, turns on the light. Boom. Who is it? Nina. You guessed it. It's fucking Nina standing there. Mm. And she's like, what are you doing? We need to get out of here. And he's like, no, I need to finish this. And um, as he's about to push her out of the door, he looks down at her necklace, which... And I noticed this when I got to this point in the film. There's eyes hidden all over this movie with the retina, which... Don't look it up. It's not a thing. The last image you see before you die is not burned onto your retina. Yeah. It's stupid. Um, but with that and the doorknobs and there's all these eyes hidden in the movie, she's wearing this necklace that looks like an eye, and he looks down at it and it swings a little bit and he realizes there's a fly inside of it. Uh-huh. At that point he realizes that she's the one who murdered Dahlia because she saw her necklace swinging was the last thing that she saw. So at this point he starts to viciously beat the living shit out of her backhanding her all across their house and she's like I didn't do it and he's just like WAP yes you did WAP yes you did does she own it? Uh, well she pulls the gun from him and then owns it and then starts losing her shit and um, I, I read this as a fact I don't know how interesting it is but they show quote unquote bullet time in the movie she goes to shoot him and like you see a slow motion shot of a bullet coming and hitting somebody in the shoulder because she shot him in the shoulder um, and she's pretty much going on about how her father 
um, didn't want a boy, and she he raised her as a boy, which explains the little boy mask that she wears while she's doing all this weird shit. Oh, you mean didn't want a girl? Exactly. She he wanted her to be a boy, so yeah, yeah, yeah. he raised her as a boy. Yeah. And she's like, when I met you, I thought everything was gonna be great. I loved you so much, but you're just like him, which didn't make sense to me. He seemed like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Um, Roberto, why did you do that? My father also enjoyed music. <laughs> so, and he this was is, Italian, just like you. This is the point where I think it was uncut because, once again, thank you Amazon Prime for fucking up my foreign movies. It's cutting between English and her speaking Italian, and I'm like, this. Plot point means nothing to me. I don't know what she's saying. I tried to turn on the subtitles. They only worked for the parts that were in English. I was like, this is super good. Yeah, well, that's like if you watch the uncut versions of Deep Red, it just cuts between Italian and English the whole time. But it does have subtitles for the Italian. But it does little, that in Torso, too. Yeah, it's a little jarring where it's just like, what? What? So, um... Mamma mia. She's She shoots him, like, a couple more times, and she's like, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. And then, in, boom... Who saves the day? God. God saves yeah. the day. Pulls the gun from her. She runs off. Gets in the car. And the way the movie ends is this really well shot scene. She's driving real fast, not paying attention to what she's doing. Boom, it hits the back of this tractor trailer. And in slow motion, you just see the glass falling. She's going forward. Dies. Movie. Roll credits. Fine. Cool. It was really fun. Aricio's the best part of the whole fucking movie. Oh, one other thing I forgot to mention is that um, one of the traits of the professor, which they mention in the movie, he just quotes random Bible verses at nice. any point. I don't know if they're actually Bible verses. <laughs> they don't sound like it. There's a chance that he might have just convinced God that he's quoting these Bible verses. So, but, um, so is this like, uh, like, I mean, it sounds like there's obvious allusions to... Illusions, not illusions, to Christianity. But what's what's the deal? Did you do any digging into the back story of why that shit's even in there? Like, why is there a character named God? Why are there Bible verses? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it like I, I really I didn't really get too too much digging into it. Um, I was way too enthralled with the private eye, honestly. Yeah. And uh, everything that I saw. Um, Trivia-wise, uh, I didn't see anything about, like, why Argento chose... Yeah. Um, although, I did find out that originally, Aricio wasn't gay. The guy who played him was like, we should make him gay. And Argento was like, yeah, all right. Which is probably why the role was sold so well. He acts so well in this movie, and he's so aloof and fun. And if they made a whole movie just about him failing cases, I'd watch the yeah, shit yeah, out like of it. Yeah, it's off like a Better Call song. Yeah. But the, the scene where he's like, I finally solved one, and then dies, I was like, it, it hurt me worse no! than the dead. No! I was... Mauricio! Pretty much. I was alone in my apartment at that point. My wife had already <laughs> left, so I could scream all I wanted. <laughs> okay. But, um... <laughs> I have a wife. You're my best man. Shut up. But um, I definitely best recommend man. the movie. I don't think it's the best genre I've ever seen, but it's definitely... A whole hell of a lot of fun. The music's really good. The way it's shot is really beautiful and really anxiety-inducing, especially for a movie made in 1971. Um, and it's just... Ooh, the poster's nice. 
Um, one other small bit of trivia that I found out, which you may find interesting, you may not, but um, there's a scene where Roberto's walking down the street, and uh, you can see the poster for the, uh, the bird with the crystal plumage oh, in the background. Yeah, that's cool. Which is pretty cool. Well, this movie came out only a year later. Yeah, it was right after it, and yeah, it, it's... you know... I, I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. We had had it on our queue for like maybe a year and a half, two years now, and um, I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, it's very light on gore, which the characters make up for. You just heard the twist, so um, I mean, the, the twist wasn't that crazy. Uh, I felt like an idiot because I didn't figure it out until like the last 20 minutes, and I was like, yeah, it's definitely the fucking wife, because at this point they can't introduce any new characters. And it's definitely not the sick, nasty, awesome P.I. detective yeah. who gets crazy good montages. Well, it was very thorough, Ben. I loved it. Yeah. Good stuff. I would like to see that. I mostly am interested in the scene where they go to the funeral expo. It's it's so juxtaposed. Uh, Juxtapositioned. Thank you. Words. And, but it's like... Alright, I'll tell you one of the jokes. So, um... <laughs> they have this big lime green coffin that's in the shape of a human being and this guy gets in it and he's like he's like I don't know it's not very comfortable and the funeral director's like oh well you know I've never uh, had a single customer tell me after they uh, after it was purchased and, and used that you know they've you know ever been uncomfortable but you know it really doesn't matter and the guy's like yeah still though <laughs> and then it just goes back to God the professor and Roberto talking about Love all it. these murders alright so, mine is not nearly going to be as thorough as that, but, and I kind of wish you guys hadn't seen the one that I'm going to talk about, because I wish I could walk you through it and have you guess, but you already know, so, I did Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, in Italian, uh, it's a lot of words, and I have it here, but I don't think I'm going to do it very well, Il Toyo Vieso e Una Stanza so is solo in Nehoi la Chiave. Crushing it. Nope. Nope, that sounded more like Spanish than Italian. It's basically the same language. Yeah, um, romance languages. I feel romantic as hell right uh, now. It's got three main characters. Oliviero is played by Luigi Pistilli. Luigi! Um, uh, Irina, his wife, is played by Anita Strineberg, easy to say. And then, um... <laughs> <laughs> Always a plus in these episodes. Uh, the niece Floriana is played by, uh, Edwige Finish, uh, which Frank was talking about her titties earlier. The ones that we said were moderately sized. Um, they were um, above moderate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe we like, where do you shop? Yeah. I... I... At stores. <laughs> um, so... Fair. <laughs> It's directed by Sergio Martino. It's pretty cool that we all did a different director. Yeah. I like that. Um, we also did, like, pretty much the big names of the genre, which yeah. is nice. Although we didn't talk about Umberto Lindsay and a couple of the, the really foul directors, but another day. Um, he did Torso, All the Colors of the Dark, Case of Scorpion's Tale, Too Young to Die. He did a bunch of uh, Giallo movies. I think he had, like, eight or nine. Um, his brother is uh, Luciano Martino, who is also really big in the genre. Um, and oh, was he? Name one movie. 
Um, he was married to his brother. Was married to. Edwish. He was married to his brother. He uh, his brother was married to Edwish Finney. Oh, I thought he was. Yeah, I know. No, it was his brother uh, that they they were married. Nineteen seventy-one. How do you say Edwish Finney. Is it Finney or is it Finney? It's probably Finnish. That seems more Algerian. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying it wrong. But basically, her career was made by Luciano. Um, she has a lot of Giallo credits to her name, like was said, and a lot of other Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, it's the triplet. It's it's Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Which was his first movie. Who, Sergio Martinez? Uh-huh. And then it's Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. And then it was All the Colors of the Dark. And then I forget the one after. Um, yeah. International Italian sex symbol. She's really, really pretty, um, and her boobs are great. I totally can agree on that. Well, and she also has the classy. I'm sorry, I'm getting a look. She just did a classy uh, film called Secrets of a Call Girl. That's mm. not um, uh, Giallo, but it's like a sex drama kind of, mm. uh, but like still like schlocky and whatever. But yeah. that was that was one of the earliest movies I saw with her, and it's like still there are scenes that stick out in my mind. But anyway. yeah. I digress. She great. Um, inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat, um, which, which like, it, the plot mirrors it pretty well. I read um, not that story, but a synopsis of the story today, and it mirrors it. Um, so basically, Oliviero Rovinet, Rovinet, um failed writer. Alcoholic. He's not really a failed writer as much as he is like a washed-up writer. He yeah, in like three years. Washed up. Yeah, and he lives in this like crumbling mansion, and uh, I have a poster of that. Sorry, I, I need to see Edwin's boobies. Good, good. Um, crumbling mansion with Irina, his wife, um, and uh, the first scene basically opens up like he invites all these hippie kids that live in a campground like near his house to come over and have orgies and get drunk with him. And the first scene is that, and I had no idea what was going on. They were just, like, you know, in there, getting fucked up. And, like, the first thing he does is torture his wife and force her to drink this drink that everybody's poured a little bit of their drinks into. And he embarrasses her, and she runs off. And they're talking about, like, how they think he fucked his mom, and Oliviero thinks it's the end. So, anyway, um, she runs off. Wait, 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 wait. But before before we go on, can we, can we talk about how he's, like trying to kill his wife at the party and then they just break into song. Just some drunk hippie chick just starts Well, singing. he doesn't try to kill his wife. He basically, like, he forces... Know, when you force liquid down somebody's throat and they can't breathe, that's all, like, drowning. Yeah, I mean, like, out of all the shit he did to her in the movie, that was, like, the nicest. I want you to be my judge when I do my next uh, domestic violence defense. I mean, she didn't drown. It's not domestic violence. So, no. they have this cat named Satan... Um, which is an adorable cat. Yeah, which belonged to Oliviero's mother, and Oliviero has a real mother complex and, like, loves this cat so much. Um, and then, like, in the first scene, there's a lot of really blatant, awful racism with this woman named Brenda who works in the house, who's the maid, and they make some jokes about him liking black girls, and it's really uncomfortable. Um, and then they break out in the song and start dancing on the tables. Everybody's drinking, and... Whatever. So, uh, the next day he goes to the bookstore, and he's, like, talking to this young hot chick, and she's like, are you gonna meet me tonight? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And, um, the first murder happens when the mistress is waiting for Oliviero, uh, in, like, this abandoned, 
Um, you guys want to... We're listening. We're paying attention. No, please. I'm sorry. It's... It's called art and also is directly related to what you're talking about. I think we're at, like, two hours at this point. No, we're not. Yeah. No. We can kind of do a two-parter if we need to, but, like, booby, look. And pearls? Mm-hmm. That's a classic poster. It is a classic poster. So, what, what would you say she's waiting? Like, at an abandoned... Oh, some kind of... She says, like, an abandoned, like, junkyard-type Not even... It, it's like a, like an old bridge and, like, a industrial equipment... Yeah. Depot. Yeah. Like run down. Okay, that's a great way to describe it. So she's waiting there, and um, what's the weapon they're using? It's uh, not some, a straight razor. No, it's like a horrible, really shitty looking pseudo sickle. Yeah. yeah, sickle. That's exactly what it is. So she gets her her throat cut and chased down and all this different shit, and then the next day the cop comes to Olivier's house. The cops and they're like, you know, questioning Oliviero and his wife, and it's like, where were you and she, uh, Oliviero has his, what is basically like, I was here with my wife all night, but he wasn't. He had gone out that night, and the <gasps> wife was like, lie for him, basically, like, why are you making me lie for you? And she was like, a, he was like, I promise I've been out all night. And keep in mind, Oliviero is like, a piece of shit character. He's awful to his wife, he's drunk all the time. Yeah, he's real bad. Uh, he loves lot, that. A lot of J&B. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of J&B. Loves that fucking cat, though. Yeah. Um. Animal owners, you know. So, the cat plays a big role in this movie, and, um. I think it's the, the next night, or that night, Brenda is, like, Brenda the house girl is, like, um, here's the cat or something, and goes downstairs and finds the dress of Olivier's mother that Irina was in the night before, and, like... But she's looking at porn when she hears the cat. She is looking at porn when she hears the cat. I remember, I went nice. Yeah. Um. It was nice. She goes downstairs, she finds this dress, and she puts it on, and she's, like, looking at herself all sexy in the mirror and like touching her googles and like touching her puss and and uh Olivier is like looking at her from the corner of the eye and then um like the door flies open it's like a rainstorm and she goes and she closes it and when she comes back and she looks Olivier is not there and then uh she's ambushed and she's murdered and he's they slice it like right down the middle of the chest and they show it and it's awful and um basically Irina like opens the door and Brenda's right there, and she stumbles in, and Irina's like, what the fuck? Um, and then, like, Oliviero comes in, and Oliviero's like, we gotta, we gotta hide the body. Um, they're gonna think it's me, we can't tell the cops, we just gotta hide him. And Irina's, like, all distraught and shit like that. Um, I hope one day, in my marriage, I can turn to my wife and be yeah. like, we need to hide this body. And she's like, okay. They go in the cellar, they, like, unplaster the wall, they stick her in the wall, they plaster her back up, and they roll, like, a lion... Uh, barrel in yeah, front barrel, of it. Barrel. Um, barrel. Giant and barrel. Oliviero's GB. <laughs> like losing it a little bit, but um, that's when he gets a telegram that his um, niece Floriana is going to come stay with them. Yeah, she is. And she shows up at the train station hitchhiking and is like, ba ba ba, Floriana, I'm real free spirited and whatnot. Yeah, who plays her? That's Edwige Finish. Yeah. Yeah. And she's yeah. beautiful and gorgeous. We just yeah. look at the movies. Um, no, so, no, but she's way prettier than her boobs are. I mean, on the whole. She's just a, she's an interesting looking lady. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'd like to be on her hole. Yeah. Got it in there. Uh, <laughs> so she comes in to the house and 
is, uh, you know, befriending Irina. I don't know that they had met before. I think it was the first time she met Irina. And um, Oliviera goes out and Floriana's like, or Irina's basically like, it's so funny because Oliviera's like, you can't tell anybody. And then Oliviera leaves and Irina's like, let me tell you everything that's happened. <laughs> um, we had killed this maid, we put her in the wall, I guess I've told you everything now, uh, and Floriana's like, I want to be there for you, and then, boom, lesbian sex, yeah, and they're real just going at it, and a lot of above shots of their face on the bed, and hands What's that, what's and that show? What's that, Agony? Something Agony? Oh, it's not a show, it's, it's, it's porn, it's That's beautiful I mean. agony. Yeah, it's like that porno, Have you yeah, ever heard the that? porn series. It's like really softcore porn. Well, what beautiful agony is, is just a close-up um, camera on these people's faces while they're masturbating or receiving oral sex, and all you see is like their facial expressions and them climaxing and everything. It's, it's quite yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's tasteful. That's beautiful. This was a like that, but way shittier. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they have sex, and, um, a bunch, uh, a bunch of stuff, other stuff goes on, like, we see this sex worker get off the train at the same train station that Floriana does, and, like, it's a totally unrelated plot thing, and then, um, it cuts to a scene with the same sex worker, like, at her, like, aunt's house, she's getting ready for bed. It's the madam's house. Yeah, and then this is totally what threw me off, because by this point, I think I had said... I think it's Irina. Like, I think it's Irina. And then it cuts to this sex worker, and she's, like, in bed, and she hears something, and she gets up, and this is totally unrelated to Olivier's mansion or whatever. And she gets murdered, and you're like, oh, okay, the guy's over here now. But then the Miss Madam comes in and, like, hits the killer on the head with a frying pan, and you're like, wait, did they just catch the killer? Like, what's going on here? Um... So essentially the movie then digresses into like a horrible tapestry of domestic violence. Like it, it becomes less about Giallo and more about the psychological torture of Irina. And like it's really, really intense. Um, and Floriana is like in the middle of it. She's fucking Oliviaro and that's his niece. And like it was insinuated that Oliviaro fucked his mom. So there's, I think I wrote in a I mean, note it's here. It's no, yeah. Why so much incest? Why though? Because there's like a lot of incest. Um, this is everything. Type of porn. This whole movie yeah. is everything that's popular on Pornhub right now. Yeah. Lesbian porn, incest porn, yeah. cats. Yeah. So also abuse. People yeah. are into that like pseudo rapey stuff. Yeah. I don't know anybody who is definitely not me. Um, she says that she secretly bookmarks <laughs> super, super rapey stuff on her tab. Yeah, she had, she had this face on her um, when she said that that looked like, hey, this is sarcasm and I'm totally bald-faced lying. Um, so... All the computer you rolled in on. So, around this time, <laughs> Irina's, like, slowly losing her mind. Olivier is slowly losing his mind in alcohol and, like, she is outside, like, Irina tends to these doves, and she found these doves, like, dead, and realized the cat had done it, so she goes after the cat with a pair of scissors and stabs Bigger the cat than a man's right arm. in the eye. Yeah, they're big-ass scissors. Yeah, like, stabs the cat right in the eye, and the cat runs off, and the old woman who collects the recyclables sees them, and she's like, get the fuck out of here! Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, at this point, Olivier is still sleeping with Floriana, and he's basically like, Irina walks down the stairs one day and hears Oliviero say, like, I've, I've opened up the wall, like, there's enough room to put her in there, like, 
I'm gonna kill her, I wanna be with you, and all this different shit, and, um, so, like, she breaks, and it was, like, a particularly gruesome domestic violence situation, like, right before he goes in and starts typing everything, or he's just, like, <clears throat> beating her and beating her and beating her and beating her, and she falls to the ground, and he goes in and starts typing on his typewriter, and she grabs a pair of scissors and goes in there and kills him, stabs him with the scissors. She loves those scissors. Right. So it's around this time. No, no, but hold on. This is just like Ben's movie. Suffers. Now this is, we were watching the Blu-ray era remastered. Really nice art production, whatever. Great, great copy to own. But they don't fucking subtitle the notes. They don't subtitle the goddamn story he's writing, which yeah. definitely says a lot of, like, revenge or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and, uh, Revenge-o. I think Vendetta. It says Vendetta. Vendetta, 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 but that's not what he's typing. You well, know, somebody's typing Somebody it, and I can't it. read Italian. Yeah. I know what Vendetta means, but yeah. I mean, the rest of it was all Greek to me. So basically, like, he says, like, nice. he's writing, he wants to kill me, look at what he was writing, and Floriana walks in all sexy and is like, well, you finally <clears> did it, you finally killed him. And um, she's a very cavalier attitude through this whole thing. And then it comes out where she's like, well, what did he do with uh, my aunt's jewelry? Like, And it's like, oh, okay, here's her ulterior motive. She wanted the jewelry the whole time. And she wanted to get um, some of that sweet puss. And, Olive, and uh, Irina is like, you can have the jewelry. You can have whatever you want. I Please just don't leave. Don't leave me. And then I'm like, okay, Irina is not the killer. And then I'm like, is there even a killer? Like, did we catch the killer? And now this has just turned into a weird tale of domestic violence. Um, and then... It's a tale uh, that needed to be told. He gives her... as old as time. So she's like, I'll stay, I'll stay. And they bone and whatever. And she gets the jewelry. And then Floriana in the middle of the night gets up and leaves. Um, fuck boy. Yeah. And she's going to go meet the guy that races motorcycles by the bridge at 8 a.m. delivers milk. Uh-huh. He delivers milk, too. Pretty much. Oh. The dream He guy. delivers milk, all right. <laughs> Seaman joke. <laughs> um, so, uh, there had been a part earlier in the movie where, like, they blood gets all over the dress that Brenda, the house girl's murdered in, and, um, like, a, a guy comes by, I probably should have mentioned this sooner, a, a guy comes by and, like, delivers the dress and is like, I got it clean for you, and Olivier's like, you brought it to the cleaners? Like, why did you do that? That's so dumb. And then, like, as Flor cut forward to where we are now, as Floriana is, like, running out of the house, and Irina's like, Floriana, come back. Like, the guy who had delivered the dress, the gray-haired guy, walks up behind her, and he thinks she's going to turn around and scream, but she turns around, she sees him, she relaxes, and she kisses him. And I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, okay, so, like, was Irina? And then, like, the plot unfolds itself as, um, like... Irina goes down to the wine cellar and starts talking to where she put the body of Oliviaro and is like basically talking to his ghost and is like, this is like what I had to do, I should have done it sooner, blah blah blah. Um, but she killed his mother. She oh, was, she killed his mom, yeah, right, right, right. She killed right. his mom, she was like slowly driving him insane. Uh -huh. And that was the whole thing, like with Brenda, like he, she killed Brenda and she wanted... Olivia to think that he had done it in some kind of drunken stupor. So she was like driving him crazy with paranoia and driving him to the end. Um, no, it was the silver-haired guy that killed Brenda. Was it the silver-haired guy that killed yeah. Brenda? Well, she killed Brenda. Nope. Okay. Well, thank God you guys are here. Um. So, um, Irina and the silver-haired guy like are gonna run off together, and she takes and basically. 
um, she's like, I know that Florian was going to be, like, on a motorcycle at this time, coming around this curve, whatever, I need you to take care of it, and the silver-haired guy shows up and, like, pours oil all over the curve that they're going to turn down, and they're, like, riding along, riding along, and they slip on the oil, and they crash, and they die, which is, like, a really cool visual scene. They keep, like, um, and the whole movie, they're, like, doing these splices of the cat's eyes, and then the cat, when it has one eye, and it's real creepy, and wow. yeah, wow. yeah, and you're hearing a lot of that, wow. and, um, you weren't around but about a, for a month after we saw that movie, that Frank wow. and I was just, wow. um, so Walter, like, looks at their bodies in the oil, and then, like, lights a cigarette, and then throws the cigarette, like, onto it and everything lights up and then so it like cool. cuts to them like on near this cliff and Irina's like all gussied up now and like fancy looking with a headscarf and she's like I've got an idea we can't keep the bodies in the uh or we can't leave their bodies on the road or, or was the bodies in the cellar or the bodies that were no it's the bodies in the cellar and she was like we can't keep them there we got to get rid of them she's like what do you think about throwing them over this cliff here why don't you go take a look over the cliff and tell me what you think. And he's like, she, yeah, you're hot. Yeah, please. Yeah, and she, he basically is like, it's a beautiful plan. And she's like, deuces. And she pushes him off of the cliff. So then it's just Irina. And you think she's gotten away with it. And she, like, rolls on back to the house. And then the cops pull up. And she pulls up. And the cops are like, this sounds so stupid. But, like, you know that crazy old lady that collects cans? Well, she says she saw you torturing a cat. And, like, we got to come in and do our jobs. And she's like, oh, of course, come in, have a drink. Like, even the cop's like, oh, yeah, it's funny I get to drink while I'm investigating a cat. Ba, 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 ba. And they go inside, and Whoa. they're like, wow. And they hear, what do they hear? Wow. They hear that, and they're like, well, it sounds like the cat is, like, hurt. Like, we should go check on it. And she's like, that cat's always had it out for me, ba, 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 ba. Oh, wow. So they're like, we think it's coming from the basement, from the basement. So they're like looking around and they go down into the cellar and everything's cool and they don't hear anything. And he's like looking at the wine. And she's like, you must have a bottle of wine. And he says, take it. Let's all go upstairs now. And like, Please after get the fuck out. going up the stairs, they hear. Wow. And she's like, it's, it's always had it out for me. It's going to kill me. It's been so, it hates me. And. The cop goes in and like, it was just funny, like, the cop's Start. like, duh, 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 it's my job, and starts like, punching out the wall. All and, the other cops like, chill the fuck out, <laughs> it's, it's wow. And then, uh, the wall is opened, and it reveals the two bodies, plus the cat with one eye, and, uh, it very much mirrors, that's exactly what happened in Night Your Own Post, the black cat, like, he murders his wife while, he murders the wife while he's trying to kill the cat, um, and he walls up the cat, and that's how he gets caught by the cops. But, c compared to the other Jawa that I've seen, I, I, like, it was a way lower body count, and the whodunit aspect of it, which is, like, you kind of get the POV from the amateur detective, or the guy playing the detective, like, there, that really wasn't a part of this movie. And, like, like I said, once the killer got caught, like, that uh, actual random killer who, I guess, killed the, the mistress, um... It, wouldn't you say that guy killed the mistress? The one that he they caught in the cat house? Yes? He's... Dick Betty's nodding yes. Okay. Words are also... You valuable. know this is an audio podcast, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
They have that now? So once that happened, I was like totally thrown off and I was like, this is just a weird thing about domestic abuse and betrayal. But it was really, really um, eerie, a lot of dark lighting, a lot of rain, a lot of ill-placed sex. There was a, the orgy and Floriana and Oliviera and Floriana and Irina, a lot of banging. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I said I would give it a 3.5 out of 5 because I much prefer like the detective aspect of it than I do this like rambling what's happening. Yeah. It's it's definitely a dip, different atmosphere because being like rural and rich and in like an estate slash villa, it's not swanky. There's nothing swanky about the mm-hmm. film. It's all sort of, it has like that classical horror vibe. There's harp music instead of your normal funky synth scores. It's it's way like closer to Euro sleaze than it is you know, a, a classy killer mm. kind of a flick. But it was fun to watch. Yeah, I have to say, personally, for my taste, I've never been a big Sergio Martino fan. I finally, when I saw All the Colors of the Dark, Christ, like seven years ago or whatever that was, I remember being so hyped for it because there's a awesome band from uh, D.C. called Ilsa. We take their name from Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS. And their first album was called All the Colors of the Dark. And I guess I maybe I saw the movie before that album came out, whatever. But like that movie just was just not that great to me. Like it has elements of like Satanic Panic and Rosemary's Baby and like all this stuff, cult stuff and whatever. It's that Edwige finish and she gets naked a whole bunch. But it's also just like not that cool. Like it's just not as good and it's always his movies like lack narrative flow in the way that a lot of the other ones have. So I don't know. To my taste, it's not the best. Except for Torso. Torso fucking yeah. rules. But Torso's also like a terrifying home invasion mm. serial killer. Like, way more dark. And, like, very tight, constructed story. But, I mean, there's goofy parts where there's a bunch of lesbian action and some other shit. But There's this weird hippie party. Yeah, I was telling her about that. But, but the hippie party sets up for an amazing kill. That's true. And, like, an almost, like, and rape... They're, like, groping this girl, and then she's like, I don't want to do this anymore, and leaves, and they're all like, fuck you, we're going to chase you down on our motorcycle. Yeah, Liviera raped Irina. I'm pretty sure raped Brenda. There was a lot of rape, incest, sex, beating. It was... It was a who's who's a fetish. Yeah. Why are you smiling so much I'm not right now? smiling, I'm grimacing. She's smiling so it's hard right like now. It's what my grimace looks like. Yeah. It's like happiness. She takes it, you know, never mind. That's right. So, um, <laughs> I didn't really give a number on my movie. I'd say a solid four out of five. Not my favorite, um, Giallo, but I had a shitload of fun watching it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. yeah, and the 3.5 out of 5 is based on my own personal scale of what I want in Giallo. Well, yeah, well, Sergio Martino is certainly one of the more celebrated, and his movies are generally, like, considered classics. They're not really to my taste, I will admit. Um... He's sleazy, but not in the ways I like it. Like, what have you done to Solange? That's a sleazy film. Oh, yeah. And that is a really good film, mm-hmm. too. Like, that movie is top tier. Whereas, Martino, for the most part, yeah. And a- as far as uh, Five Dolls for an August Moon, three stars tops. I mean, worth worth watching. It's Baba. It's not, it's not as painful as some. But, you know, if you're bored or yeah. you're high getting drunk getting drunk would be I feel like need something on in the background to fuck to yeah nah the, the score is oh, it's kind of saucy I don't know 
Anyways, this is a lot of fun. I know this is basically like fun work instead of homework for me. Watch, watch the Giallo. Talk about Giallo. I do this all day. Mm. Giallo. Giallo. So, uh, yeah, I think in summation what we really want to say is check out the Rita's uh, Bodies Bear Traces of Carnal Violence, fantastic <coughs> album. Um, Ed Wish's, uh The Inconsolable Widow. Thanks all that tried to console her. And uh, anything by Werewolf Jerusalem. Not anything, but check him out too. And check out these movies. Check out all the movies we talk about. They're fun. Even if you just want to sit around and make fun of them with your friends. It's a good yeah. time. Most of them time. are available either for streaming online or <laughs> via Blu-ray and whatever. Um, you can get most of this stuff on Amazon now. None of it's too hard to find for the most part. So. Yeah, unfortunately a lot of the stuff on Amazon is subtitled poorly. And it's not full cuts a lot of the time. Yeah. So uh, buyer beware when it comes to that. Yeah. And if you're going to spend four bucks to rent it, might as well sp spend ten to buy the DVD at least. Yeah, I only spent two. Yeah, nice. That's good. So, that's it for the night. Uh, we're going to go masturbate. Thanks for listening, guys. We're going to go watch Glow, and Alexa's super psyched about it. I am. I, too, want to see Allison Brie naked and not be super jealous about it. It probably won't be in the first episode. It we'll get through it. the first episode. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Bye.